Alright everybody, welcome back once again to another episode of the Break the Bell podcast. Hello, hello. Bill. Yes, sir. What the hell are you wearing? I, I have a nice little sling. I'm 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 sporting. It's a it's a Gucci. That that's Gucci? <laughs> I think so. That's what they told me. What did you uh, well, explain yourself? Okay, so years of beating my truck up. My truck decided to get some licks on me. <laughs> I, I gotcha. <laughs> I had a flat tire, and I was changing the tire, and um, and it started to fight, and so I I hit back, and um, the tire won. <laughs> it clearly won. So yeah, so I, I ruptured a tendon in my arm. So. All right, how long we gotta expect to look at you in that bullshit over uh, there? A couple weeks, probably. Okay, so um, can't really expect you to do much work with us in no. our actual real yeah, job. Game. You're gonna have to actually pick up the slack. Okay. So. Which is pretty typical, usually, yeah. anyway. So. I know, but now I have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I got this sling. You're yeah, probably just, not even really injured. You just went and grabbed yeah, a I sling mean, and put know. it on. <laughs> you leave, and I take it off, and I start, like, you know, <sighs> woo! <laughs> and I never thought he was going to leave. Handstand push-ups. <laughs> well, I am sorry to see you're in such a dis- displeasing position. But Thank you. Uh, welcome back, like I said, to the Break the Bell podcast, the the podcast where we promote uh, free thought, free speech, and and everything that is good and free. Yes. Um, we we kind of hit a milestone for this week's episode. This week, we got our very first ever guest interview on, and that is a best-selling author, podcaster, journalist, filmmaker, all-around do-everything guy. Yeah, and a fellow fanboy for comics. And a comic which fanboy. Which I'm excited about. This is uh, Remzo Martinez. He is uh, the host of On the Run, On the Run with Remzo Martinez, and he's also a best-selling author. He'll he'll get into the interview. We we already pre-recorded the interview, so mm-hmm. we're recording this intro after the fact. We did run into a couple hiccups because we haven't done any other Zoom interviews, so we had some some camera technical difficulties. I think at one point your camera actually died. Yeah. So right, both here. of them. Like all of them did. Yeah, you had your phone <laughs> and your iPad, and they both died. So yeah, um, we kind of tried to make up for that and get you back in the video. So um, yeah, we, what we need to do in those circumstances is have a really cool picture of me, like I don't know, like swinging out of a f- exploding building I could do or that. something. I could. We need that to do in. that. And so then every time you... my picture disappears, there I am swinging out of a burning building. <laughs> that is a great idea. I might have to find that. Do you have any pictures of you swinging out of a burning building? We we let's work on that this okay. week. All right, we'll get one. <laughs> So we did have a, a couple of Zoom dropouts, too, with the meeting, but um, I think by the time it's all put together, it's going to sound really good. Uh, Remzo has got a lot to say. He's a, a fellow promoter of free thought, and yes. uh, he's, he's got a lot of stuff going on for, for a younger guy. Um, yeah. I, I felt like like I need to like step up and do something with my life right? after yeah, talking I know. to this guy. <laughs> so um, we're gonna, the interview went a little long, so we... Um, so we're not giving you like a two and a half, three hour interview for this main episode. I did actually record some bonus content afterwards we're going to throw at you, um, but I'll probably cut out some of the main interview and throw it, tack, tack it on to the end of the bonus content too. So that way, Works. if you want to listen to just our typical two hour in, uh, show interview, um, you can, but then if you want to hear some of the other stuff that Remzo was talking about that I may or may not cut out... Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely check out that bonus content. It's going to be available this week as well. Yeah. So one more thing before we get into that is our our social medias. Um, 
check us out. Go find us. Go like us. Subscribe to us on Facebook.com slash BreakTheBill, Twitter at BreakTheBellPod, and Instagram at BreakTheBellPod. Find us on YouTube. Hit us up with a comment. Hit us up with um, a review on iTunes. All that stuff goes back to helping us out and helping us get more exposure out there. And some of you have done awesome sharing us. Um, I just want to encourage you, please keep sharing. Get us out there. Right. And, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, um, you know, spread the love. Right. Like like right now, you guys are our sponsors. Um, everything you do is is actually what's growing this this thing that we're doing right now. So we we don't we do have one sponsor, um, Goulash Media. But as far as like pushing this and and getting the, the word out there, that that's all on you guys right now. So definitely a big thank you. Like you said, uh, we appreciate everything you've done and um, we appreciate your continued support and listening. So we are just going to jump right into this, though, because we don't have a lot of extra time since uh, the interview went so long. So um, anything before we get? Uh, just enjoy. Yeah, definitely enjoy this. Um, hit up Ramzo. Uh, he'll he'll give you all his uh, information in, in the interview. So definitely hit, hit him up and check him out. And, and, and listen for, we, we're doing a new promo that Craig will mention later in the show. So listen for that. Absolutely. Because we, we are so generous that we want to give away more free shit. So, so check that out. It's Closer to the end of the interview, so you got to get all the way through it. So, our, on that note, we are just going to jump right into it. What did you say? You talking to me? What, what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did he say? What did he say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? And we're back. We are back with our very first guest of the podcast. Uh, this is Remzo Martinez. Remzo is a fellow podcaster. He currently hosts On the Run on the We Are Libertarians Network. He's also works as a social media coordinator is that what you said that's what my paychecks tell me okay for uh <laughs> it could change i, I don't want to i i forgot to write down the 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 newspaper so go go ahead and so i don't accidentally plug the wrong one and tell us who you work for <laughs> the washington times the only newspaper you do need to read <laughs> i was i was gonna say washington times i didn't want to get it up mixed up with the post because i know you probably get uh shit for that or you'd give me shit for that within within like a daily basis when i go on our twitter accounts i have at least three people confusing us with either the washington examiner and they'll have these people that and it's always the same type i want to go ahead and actually do a study of this there's a strong correlation between people that have maga in their username and cute <laughs> animals as their profile picture both texting <laughs> both, both tweeting you as the washington post and also cursing you out while <laughs> in, in, intentionally tweeting directly an account that says Washington Times. It's beautiful. Very so interesting. Animals, I'm sure 
MAGA country getting <laughs> the name of the paper wrong. It's beautiful. Nice, nice. It sounds like you definitely got your work cut out for you. And you, Remzo, you also um, are a, bod, a best-selling author. You've written two books, right? Mm-hmm. Two books. Two books. Uh, my my first one was a comedic look at the history of the modern libertarian movement yes. called yes. Stay Away from, from the Libertarians. And my recent one that came out uh, this past September was How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. I like it. That's uh, one I've been reading. Yeah, too. we 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 started reading that the second one, um, how to succeed in politics, because it was your most recent one. So we both just kind of want to get a little bit of a hint of what it was about. And that that one um, is that's a novel. That's a fiction novel, correct? That's not yeah. A true so story. it's well, it it it, it kind of blends it, and because of how uh, bookstores and uh, online booksellers treat things. This is historical fiction, mm-hmm. but what it does is um, this book basically follows parallel lives of two characters. One of them is a fictional character named Art Brown, who's a political consultant working in our modern times in our strange political era. And then the other storyline is actually based off the life and times of Governor George Wallace, probably one of America's most hated supervillains in history. Right. When you look at his impact on the way the country moved during the civil rights movement. So basically the book talks about, you know, his life, but I added the the fictional element to parallel it to show people that, you know, these challenges, the things that we encounter as we're going <laughs> through something as difficult as politics, they don't change just because the style of clothes we wear change. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, reality is much strange, stranger than the fiction that we uh, consume, whether through movies or books or comics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about the real life of a person with a fictional spin by adding the, the other character to really kind of help people process it in a way because when you tell people that you've written a comedy about a segregationist it's often <laughs> uh, not really taken well among some circles so i had to craft that other part so people could really digest it all okay hmm. from i i hate to admit i only made it through the first two chapters of the book so far but i mean i uh, was late to my own daughter's birthday party yesterday because um I was I was that into it. So I, I from what I've read so far, I definitely um it's it's definitely captivating me and um it's really keeping me uh intrigued and I did want to pull up a, a quote from it because it was the very very first line before the book even started and it was hang on just a second. I was in shock when I was like Damn, that dude just fed Colin to that old lady. <laughs> that might be based off something that may have actually happened. I can neither confirm nor deny. So before chapter one even starts, the quote is by uh, Matt Kibb, who you you say here is a writer, economist, and a beer enthusiast, which that's interesting on its own. But, but the quote is, unpopular opinion. I don't think I've ever, ever called a politician a motherfucker, but I feel like it's particularly particularly American to have that right. I'm pretty sure I've called a lot of politician motherfuckers before, and I feel like Americans need to call them more often, maybe to their faces, and maybe maybe um, more would be accomplished that through that. These people need somebody in their lives to tell them to fuck off more often, because <laughs> I, 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 I just feel like 
if politicians or people like that are just told to fuck off a little more often, maybe they'll be like, you know, maybe I do need to fuck off. <laughs> and maybe they, they'll, they'll change their approach a little bit. I, I, I would agree with that. I think calling someone the motherfucker is the ultimate equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> if you think think somebody's beneath you once they call you a motherfucker, then it's probably you. You probably should reevaluate things a little bit. <laughs> the the funny thing, uh, so so Matt Kibbe, uh, that's that's based off a tweet he sent out like three four years ago, and he sent it out at like one a.m. <laughs> while I happened to be awake, and I was writing the first draft of this book, and I saw that, and I'm like, this is going to set the tone for the entire thing going forward. It, it and uh, what, yeah, and, and what's funny is I, so I was an intern at uh, Freedom Works while I was in college when Matt was the president. And while we were at Freedom Works, like we were all libertarians that were working within this Tea Party, uh, you know, more conservative Republican infrastructure. So we all had to really kind of not hide who we were, but we had to kind of speak the language mm-hmm. of DC and how the how how the whole political class works. Years later, um, Matt would leave um, Freedom Works and start his own organization, uh, Free the People, which is a nonprofit that tries to create educational material about the ideas of liberty, and he mm-hmm. has a show with the Blaze. And now it's just completely him calling out people. So I thought it was mm-hmm. it would show that nice transition between here's how you are when you're trying to be really effective. Here's how you are when you're honest. Yeah, right. And it's a uh, you know it's it's it kind of parallels my life in a way because that book. Uh, well, what I love about it is it really was my my divorce and final send off from working in politics for mm. almost um, from 18 to to just about a year and a half ago. And it was an opportunity for me to really put a lot of the experiences I had as well as a ton of other people in into the story of Art Brown. And, uh, you know, you you mentioned Colin earlier. Colin's one of the supporting characters. Mm -hmm. Um, He's on Art's dream team. And, you know, the the thing about we we called it honeypotting. Mm-hmm. It's a old it's an old CIA tactic where you basically get like a ambassador, someone to sleep with the pretty woman at the bar and she's got to either kill him or steal some trade secrets. And that's uh, that's that's something that I've seen happen enough times. I, I can't say that I did that to anybody, mm-hmm. but, you know, sometimes you've got either the the really pretty uh, blonde intern or the really handsome dude that looks like he's walked out of an Abercrombie and Finch model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'm not telling you to go do anything. But sometimes you got to go give the nice donor lady what she wants. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just go over there and just smile. Do, do whatever you need to do to get us more money. Yeah. Yeah. Would that, would that be um, prostituting the, the Abercrombie and Fitch model? Would, would that be what No, that it's customer service. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Perfect. That's politics. So Burger baby. King giving it your way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's funny in a way, but I mean, that's just uh, in in that chapter where you're introduced to art and the dream team. Uh, some people like they 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 thought it was too ridiculous to be true, but the thing about um, what I really call one of the other classes of DC, you've got like this iron triangle in how Washington works. You've got the government, the, the actual legislators, the people that are elected, then you've got the bureaucratic class, which is in, uh, you know, these federal agencies, these departments, the, the deep state apparatus, as some people call it. Then what you have is you really have the base of it, which is the lobbyists mm-hmm. and the political consultants. And really what, what I had to discover about it is it's really its own world. It really combines all aspects of life from, you know, how people 
get a bill passed to how people are going to get donors to do something to how to get convince people to vote a certain way. It's really like, like living in inception because you get to Mm. this point where you're just running and running and running around the same assignment and you're doing stuff that you wouldn't ever consider to be not necessarily illegal or immoral, but just strange. Mm. I mean, it's really, you, you encounter some of the weirdest people you'll ever see in your life and they they're the people that act as kind of like the lube between the gears hmm. and the dc machine it's just one of those things that people might get a taste of i mean house of cards did it in a way that really showed you how the politicians think mm-hmm. well these are like the foot soldiers for the politicians these are the people mm-hmm. that at the end of the day are really going to help solidify a deal or something and uh i mean people don't really talk about them a lot because it's one of those uncomfortable things where it's like if you talk about it in a way that people are going to actually start to, you know, dob people out. It's, it's not fun. So that's what made it kind of difficult for me. I knew I was leaving politics behind, but there were a lot of people in situations where it's like, you know, if I came out verbatim and did this, it's not really going to, you know, it's, it's going to come back to bite me. So my thing was, you know, have the modern arc where I'm going to take all these stories and add, you know, add it through the filter of fiction, but I can do, um, you know, I, I can't tell the story of someone who really embodied the political system to a T, which is the life and death of George Wallace, really somebody who embodied what a corrupt politician is mm-hmm. and what happens when you begin to reach the end years of your life. And you're like, well, fuck, I, I might be a terrible person. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So it was a, it was a cathartic experience for sure. Yeah. As I was reading that, you know, it, it struck me, you know, I never did know what happened to George Wallace after, you know, he had gotten shot. You know, he just kind of faded away. So No, I like how you put in the book, in the first chapter, that that was basically the end of him. That was kind of like his transitioning point from the Wallace that you knew to this this other, like, insignificant nobody pretty much after that. Because he was a yeah, piece of I'm, shit. Yeah, he was. And what people don't understand, like, what, what year were you born, Craig? 85. You know, he was governor until 84. Holy, holy hmm. shit. Yeah, that's right. When your so, parents were when your parents were getting it on, George Wallace <laughs> was still governor of Alabama. And I mean, that's really touching, you know, very close to history. We kind of mm-hmm. keep it back a bit. We think that was so far along ago. It was very close to history. He was he was governor from 64. Uh took four years off because at the time he was constitutionally restricted from serving two consecutive terms. Mm. He had his wife run in his place. Mm. And then when, you know, in, uh, in, in 1968 or 70, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, he runs again, they changed the state constitution. So he's just running every four years and winning and it's crazy. And it's, it's one of those moments where um, really he becomes less and less of a significant national figure, but this is where his life really began. When I was doing the book originally, it was going to be a, a nonfiction book completely. And it was going to be covering each chapter was going to be a different political person. And I knew mm-hmm. George Wallace. I wanted them, one of them to be him because I mean, the dude's just a, I mean, he's really just a freak of nature mm-hmm. when he's running in 1960 for, go- I'm sorry, in 19, uh, 1950 or 1960 for governor. The first time he loses, but he ran as a moderate Democrat who was endorsed publicly by the NAACP. Wow. And he realized that one of the reasons why he lost was because he wasn't a hardliner on segregation enough. So when he runs a few years later, 
he's like he he really becomes the Wallace that we learn about in school, just this hard line, crazy racist mm-hmm. segregationist. But what was crazy was as I was researching him for his chapter and I'm learning all this stuff, I realized that, you know, it's almost like I'm looking at two different people, the one that was him before he was shot and then the one after he was shot. And what really kept me up at night was there's this video of him being interviewed by a CBS reporter and they're asking him about the guy that shot him, Arthur Bremer. And they're like, how do you feel about him? He's in prison now. What do you want to say? And he's like, well, I, I've got nothing to say. I, I feel bad for Arthur Bremer. I forgive Arthur Bremer. And, um, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm like, well, that's not what, like, why, why would you say that? You could say so many other things. One, I was like, I was caught off guard because I'm expecting him to say, I hope he burns in hell, gets right. stabbed, shanked in prison, <laughs> whatever. Don't drop the soap. <laughs> but then, you know, to say he was forgiving him, it just like that felt really out of left field. So I'm like, there's something up with this dude. Like, what's wrong with him? Is he trying to get sympathy points? Hmm. But, you know, it was it was really this weird transition in his life where he he really began to realize that if he died that day when he was shot in um, in 1972 in Laurel, Maryland, while well, he was really, you know, one of the front runners for the Democratic nomination. Um he, he probably would not have liked where he would most likely end up. Mm-hmm. And after that experience, he's like, well, shit, what, what is my life? You know, what, what, what has led me to the place where I am now? And what do I do if the years I have remaining? And that was a story I really wanted to tell because it's a story of redemption in some ways, but also, you know, a story of, of what if, like, what if he hadn't been shot? Mm-hmm. He could have been president. Um, what if he had been shot and killed? Would we be talking about it? Mm-hmm. In this case, we got to see how he lived his life and how he lived his life, his last remaining uh, 20 years on earth. He died in 1997. It's it's a story that that I felt now needed to be told more than any other time. And I didn't anticipate any of this stuff happening. I knew it would resonate with people because it's an election year. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it's a it's a very human story. It's a, it's really a tragedy in a way. I mean, when when I had to really outline his life and figure out how I was going to write it for people and also weave it in with this parallel story of Art Brown, like it, it, it really does read like a Shakespearean tragedy mm-hmm. because it's just it's just really sad at certain points. And he encounters certain situations where it's like you, you could see yourself almost in that situation asking, would I have done the same thing or done something different? And that's something that, you know, it's, it's the type of story that a lot of people might have been uncomfortable with, but ultimately I've had people who are left, right, middle, libertarian, conservative, liberal read it. And they all come out of it, you know, thinking something differently than when they had first started, but overwhelmingly Mm -hmm. it's been positive. Yeah, and we're talking about your book, um, how to how to sur- how to succeed in politics and other forms of devil worship. Um, uh, where where can you find that? I'm going to switch directions if you don't mind. And if yeah, sure. Um, because I got a bunch of stuff I want to ask you, and we like to push our time as is. So, um, cool. yeah, you can you can go ahead and find it anywhere where books are. Um, the audio book will be coming out soon oh, when nice. Amazon goes ahead and uh, grabs that. It's voiced by Johnny Rocket Adams. He had a great time. I know he, he ha- hates me right now because he's waiting patiently for it. Johnny. If you're listening, I'm waiting for it too. Amazon takes forever, but you can find the, the <laughs> book in print and Kindle editions right now on Barnes and Noble online and Amazon. It's, it's all out there. Perfect. Um, we talked about you also uh, do podcasts. Um, you've in the works of 
working on your third podcast, but your current one right now is On the Run, and you started with The Remzo Republic, which turned into um, The Remzo W. Martinez Experience. Is that right? Yep. And so that one just ended, what, early this year? Yeah, like like back in January. It was a, it, it was a fun, like, four-year run. So that show... It was, uh, yeah, it was retitled the Remso Martinez experience because I was just kind of out of politics at that point. I just started working in the, in the newsroom for the Washington times and it it took kind of a a different turn. So I I experienced two things. One, I wanted to talk about politics less. And I realized that my ratings actually did better with that because I was talking Mm -hmm. more about personal stories. I was Mm -hmm. talking more about the stuff I had actually dealt with and why at, at, uh, you know, for about four or five months, there was nothing coming out for me. I had some written articles and op-eds come out. I was really kind of gone. And during that time, you know, I was writing uh, How to Succeed in Politics, but I was also just going through a lot of life stuff. So I realized that through that show, you know, it, it, I had made a very different transition from how it started and really what it was known for, but I needed to kind of close the book on that. So with that ending, um, I was working on a TV show I do with my brother called The Witching Hour. Um, I was just, uh, you know, on that and we were talking and he was like, you know, people, people miss the podcast. You could do it again. And I was like, I don't know if I want to, mm-hmm. I, if somebody offered me some support and stuff, I could probably do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ironically, I ended up getting a, a call from Chris Bangle at We Are Libertarians about possibly coming and doing a new show at the network. And the first thing I told him was I'm interested, but I don't want to talk politics. Right. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to talk current events. I want to talk about really the things that help you as an individual be free. And it's you know everything mm-hmm. from financial freedom to spiritual freedom to health freedom to just having your sense of purpose out there. Because we could talk about a lot of things that are directly affecting us. But ultimately, if you're not making some changes in your life to be better in some way or at least to understand the world around you more, uh, you're, you're always going to be kind of, you know, ch- chasing what other people are tossing your way. And I it was somebody that not only felt like I was part of that system for a while while working mm-hmm. in politics, but I found that I, I was also on the hamster wheel myself. So this show was really, you know, different in a way. And I, I think while some people were a bit caught off guard, ultimately the reception has been great. I mean, I've had a ton of fun doing it. And I know the listeners are really liking taking me taking this, this different turn in a way. Yeah. It's uh, it's always good to get away from the bullshit that's going on in everyday life. Um, it gets re- especially doing a podcast because we had, ours is a current events podcast as well, so we mm-hmm. cover all the same like politics and shit like that. And man, it gets really consuming. Oh yeah, just searching yeah, but, it out. But here's reading the it thing, out. though, like like you guys, like you're you're in it, you're invested in it. Mm-hmm. You've got that, you've got that grit and that the, and the stomach to keep doing it. I, I can tell you, if I had gone back to what I was doing, it would have been shit. Yeah, because yeah. I just have I have no gullet for it at all right now. Right. My thing was, well, I have the insights and the experience to definitely add a unique flavor of things to give people a reason to download it. Mm-hmm. If my mind and my heart isn't in it, right. it's going to be shit. Mm-hmm. And really with the with has succeed in politics, when that book came out, it's like, you know, a whole part of my life is is done now. Mm-hmm. Like it really took a giant emotional toll on me because it's like this is this is done. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can move on now. Wow. So it's like you, you packed up all of that experience that you had during those years and just kind of buried it with that book. 
it, it felt like when you begin when like years go by and you forget the names of ex-girlfriends that for a while it's like they they made you crazy and they, they made you feel terrible and shit mm. and then one day you're thinking like oh i wonder what that bitch is up to <laughs> i don't remember her name like i genuinely don't remember her name it was like one of those moments yeah it's like <laughs> i i don't know if i want to know what she's up to <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I don't want to open that door again. Um, yeah, uh, one of the episodes of your your current podcast I listened to. Your I can't remember the name of the guest, but you were talking about being more self sufficient with like self sustaining, like hunting and fishing and stuff like that. Um, oh, did, Gabriella, yeah, Gabriella Hoffman from Town Hall. Did did that topic come up with all the the COVID stuff going on right now, or is that just something you've been interested in, or? It, it was well, like I, I was at I was at the store like a month ago, and it, it's always been my dream to one day not necessarily be a homesteader, but to at least know I have the skills to do mm. certain things, so that mm. if I have to do them, I can I can do them. And I, I just remember I was going to like Wendy's, and I wanted to get a double bacon burger, but you could only get one patty burgers, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? So while I'm going on my yeah, so while I'm going on like my I am legend toilet paper run, <laughs> Costco and BJ's, I I go over to the to the to the to the deli section and I'm like, there's no ground beef, like there's there's no mm-hmm. steak. I can get enough chicken and pork pork belly to feed myself off that for days, but it's like. <laughs> motherfucker i want can i curse on your show yeah oh yeah 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 Yeah, like 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 i i I want i want i want fucking meat so like i i knew that she had uh she has a great show called district conservation and and what's really funny is like gabrielle is really one of my oldest friends in in the dc area she was the publicist for my first book stay away from the libertarians and she also worked as communications director for a campaign that i was a campaign manager of so to see her kind of do this whole transition herself, she's really becoming a rising star in the conservation movement. But like that episode, like when people were like, did you intentionally ask a stupid question I could Google because you didn't want to Google it? I'm like, yes, because I genuinely did not know anything about what I was asking. about. Mm-hmm. So like those mm-hmm. were fresh questions. It, right. I had no clue. And I still have not gone hunting, but it's something I intend <laughs> to do towards the fall. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. Like I've gone several years the last few years of my life thinking I, I i really should learn how to hunt i've never hunted either so don't feel like you're the only one there and i i've rarely fished i've only fished like two or three times in my life so it's just like i i've gone for a few years thinking i i, I need to work towards at some point becoming more self-sufficient and then covid happened corona happened and it was almost at that moment it was just like Ah uh, shit, uh, I'm I'm behind the curve here. I, right. I don't. At that point, we didn't know how bad it was going to get. We still don't know how bad it's going to get. But the stores were selling off the shelves, like you were saying. Toilet paper, food, meat was all going out the window. It's just like, oh yeah, the shelves were bare right. for a while. It's just like I should have had a game plan before now. And so, yeah. listening to that episode, uh, kind of refreshed that again in my in my brain that. You know, maybe I really need to start yeah. putting some effort into my, this. My, my saving grace. My dad is a big hunter. He lives in Alabama. Yeah. And uh, whenever I go visit him, he always gives me a freezer full of of venison. 
And so it's like I, I have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend out near Loudon. It's more towards like you know the the country and like s- the southern part of Virginia. And he gave me some venison jerky one time, and mm. I thought it's like deers. It's like I want to eat Bambi. After I had that, I'm like, damn, Bambi's delicious. Screw Bambi, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I want more of this. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like uh, I've seen the meme on Facebook that it's like a. a picture of an animal like a cow or something or no it's i think it was a picture of deer and it's like um how could you possibly eat something this cute and somebody's re- well somebody's <laughs> response was is that a rhetorical question or are you asking for recipes <laughs> <laughs> so, i mean it's just one of those things like i like to think that i'm a pretty self-reliant independent yeah. person but you know i live outside of dc i mean i'm in a suburban area so i'm yeah. very soft when it comes to these skills mm-hmm. but it's like I, 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 one of my favorite books is, um, is into the wild by mm-hmm. John Krakauer and they, Sean Penn directed a movie about it years later, right. but there's a scene where he's finally out in Alaska, this, this liberal hippie who's never really done much. He's been on the road for a couple of years and he kills a giant buck, but he doesn't know how to skin it and how to conserve it properly. Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be his meat for all winter. So he's just screwing up. And before he knows it, there are flies everywhere. Oh, yeah. So he basically went through the struggle of killing this thing and trying to field dress it. And he can't do shit about it. Mm-hmm. So he basically just wasted it. And then a few days later, he eats some poison berries and dies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like in those moments, I start having these nightmares. It's like, what if the Corona apocalypse happens and I have to order a bidet because I want to be civilized? <laughs> I'm going to use leaves to wipe my ass and I really want a venison burger. Like, shit, I got to get my shit done or else I'm going to die like that dude. <laughs> I'm going to eat some fucking poison berries because I couldn't uh, preserve my deer that I killed and then I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, then I'm going like real first world. I'm like, oh, what if they like goji berries? I'll I'll cover them in chocolate. I'll make it better. <laughs> no, it's like I'll die. So luckily, it's like all I had to go was through my rolodex of people. I'm like, she knows what's up. I'm 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 not too egotistical to literally ask one of my good female friends to teach me a man <laughs> how to hunt. So you know, I was really happy with that. And people, you know, it's funny who reaches out to me. People who I thought would not have this problem, they're like, dude, I'm so glad she gave like twenty twenty um you know, references because I think I'll die. And I'm like, dang. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, I, I feel to an extent that, that I can handle myself. I, I'm positive. I would survive longer than the rest of my family because they're all, (laughs) um, they don't, they don't even try, but, um, I, I think maybe I'd make it a week or so before I got into the poison berries. So I, I think I'd start raiding the other houses near me yeah. first. Yeah. So I'd start raiding them and you know, my I, I, I have all the guns, so they wouldn't oh, have yeah. much of a fight. <laughs> but you know, it, it's really one of those things where it's like, what if I want to go live out in the country and I'm far away from a Walmart or something? Like right. one of the things I love to do is I I, I love I, I love the idea of being able to go and do that. But what, what I see is like I, I did a road trip around Virginia recently i visited all the towns that I've, I've never been to before and i saw some really awesome things but it's like i see these homes and i was really thinking about it like in, intentionally it's like they're an hour and a half away from like the nearest walmart yeah yeah, yeah. Like, what if they need something right now <laughs> yeah and that it's ridiculous that we have that mindset that, oh, shit, there's no Walmart near. But that's honestly what keeps my wife from us moving out in the country because she's like, I want to I want to be close to Target or a Walmart. Right. And it's like, 
that that mindset that we have to have things in a moment. You, if if you lived an hour and a half from a Walmart, when you went to get groceries, you better make sure you got all your damn groceries and you didn't forget yeah. the soy milk because <laughs> you're not going to drive an hour and a half just to get your freaking soy milk. Yeah. So, I mean, just you'd have to really plan things out a lot differently. And that, that's my wife had that mindset. She didn't want to be away from the gyms or the Walmart, you know, so she didn't want to move in the country. But after the coronavirus, she's like, fuck yeah, let's move out to the country, <laughs> get away from this shit because, you know, it's going to hit the fan. So, yeah. So maybe she'll, she'll let me uh, put a, together a, a bug out bag for her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just weird conversations with my family. I never thought I'd have about, you know, prepping for, for doomsday and stuff and it's like which yeah. of the neighbors we trust and things like that like it gets funny but it's like there's this part of us it's like yeah but we're real about this right and um i mean the, the one thing that i had to do during this time and like when, when the podcast started i was thinking maybe i should wait until after this thing happens mm-hmm. especially since i'm pre-recording episodes and they're not current episodes so they're topical episodes it's like i still need to be vague enough so that way this could be good evergreen content mm-hmm. i got to the point where it's like you know like i if I'm having these questions, I consider myself, you know, at least smarter than a block of wood. Like, <laughs> I bet there are a ton of other people that can probably ask this. They're asking the same questions as well. So, you know, it's it's been one of those moments where, you know, like the universe and everything kind of aligned at the right time where it's like, you know, maybe the show will will resonate in this way. But I mean, it's just one of those things like it's uh, wh- wh- when is this episode coming out on Wednesday? Do- Okay, on Wednesday. So, like, right now, like, it's been a few days after the after the Libertarian National uh, Convention wrapped up, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, good good job for all of them. Spike Cohen is a friend. Uh, I, you know, he's a great guy. Um, but like, I I'm basically out of the political process. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that we will ever see any monumental change changes in our life directly. Mm-hmm. But there are things that we can do to make ourselves more freer and independent. And one of my biggest fears well it's not really a fear it's more just an honest prediction about where we're going to see ourselves in a post-corona world we're going to see really two big schisms in society one of them is who one who can work from home and who can't work from home Mm -hmm. and two who has the ability to travel freely because one they have the resources and two they have the liberty of doing so right i think those two things are going to be the biggest schisms between people after this And I'm sorry, folks, like if you don't have the skills or the ability to work from home and and work from wherever you want. And two, if you can't travel freely when you want and regardless of where you want to go, whether you want to go somewhere where the weather's nicer or you want to escape riots and shit like that, or if you'll go to jail because you didn't wear a mask. Those are going to be very those are very basic things, Mm -hmm. but they can mean the difference between life and death and, you know, liberty and tyranny. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and things are just crazier now than, uh, I mean, we thought, it, I, I say this all the time, it's like at the end of each year, it's like 2019 is over. 2020 couldn't possibly be as bad as 2019. Let, let's hope for, <laughs> and it's just like every year, it just get the shit gets crazier. And this, this is one of those years where it's like you don't put anything past it at this point. I mean, they talked about the murder hornets and stuff like yeah, right. that. And it's just like, oh, I, who knows? Like, I, I stopped being surprised at this point with 2020. And um, people are just losing their damn minds now. Like, they're losing their fucking minds over, A, the coronavirus, 
and B, all the, the race stuff that's going on. And it's like, you never know. You you could go to the store, forget your mask, and get the shit kicked out of you now because right. people are that crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. I, when I went on my road trip a few weeks ago, a lot of people were like, why would you freaking do this? And I wasn't gone for more than like, you know, over a weekend. And I stayed within like at most two and a half, three hours away from my house. Mm -hmm. So like I didn't go too far. I did a giant circle around the Commonwealth. But like, you know, I'm doing this amidst a giant global pandemic because of the virus. And two, this is when the riots were like just happening and they had happened in my town literally the week prior but i got to the point where it's like you know if everything is crashing down and if anything can kill me at this point it's like i've got these vacation days i gotta use them before i lose it priorities so nothing's gonna stop me yeah but it was like it was a real it, it was an experience for me a disconnect from things and really just kind of refocus and i mean nothing stranger than when you're in some small town that's not even really on the map and you're the only person on the road for miles right so, so you got your podcast, you're starting a new podcast, um, the, uh, second print comics. Is that out yet? Or is that, Oh, that, yeah, that's coming out. So that's coming out the, the first Wednesday of August where we're tying it into DC fandom, which is their mm. online convention for stuff. And th- this is a project that me and Mark Claire have been working on because we wanted to do something different than the stuff that we're known for, but we wanted mm-hmm. to do it in a way where it's like, we really get to double down on our passions. And both mm-hmm. of us are giant, giant comic book nerds. I mean, I don't know if you could see behind me, but I've got like a justice league poster oh, yeah. from, from the weed hut that we will only refer to it as in Spider-Man. I've got <laughs> shit all around my room. Like I've got like signed posters and other oh, yeah. stuff. You got a bobblehead of cable. Everything. Yeah. Because cable's the baddest x-men out there but like um you know it was one of those things or you know if you want to be wrong that's your choice but um (laughs) i mean it's uh yeah the second print comics podcast is really where we just get to really talk about the comics that made us and we're two different generations of comic book readers he was reading in the early 90s when really the stories that we see movies and talk about today were being written and I came in really as the comic books, as the comic book industry and everything is changing because it's in different mediums and they're trying to get it across to people that wouldn't traditionally be into the superhero genre. So, I mean, recording it so far, I mean, we started the Patreon to throw episodes in advance out there before it's out publicly in August, but it's just been a great opportunity to just focus on something fun for once mm-hmm. instead of everything else we do. Cause he does lines of Liberty and they've got three shows on their network and it's all politics and it's all libertarians of all the time right like i I totally get where he's coming from with that but yeah i mean it's been a great opportunity to collaborate on that i i think people are gonna enjoy it yeah i had excited uh, for it i had shared um i think it was your the preview for your show and that was the one the one thing i had i had said was if if you need a break from the rest of this bullshit (laughs) or from all the politics all all the stuff that's going on the news here, here's kind of a breath of fresh air. I'm not a comic book nerd. I, I do watch the movies and stuff, and I, I fascinated by like the '90s cartoons were always my favorite, like X Men and the Spider Man and stuff. Bill, you may not know, Bill is a a giant comic, comic book nerd. Oh, so, awesome! So yeah. he'll be all over that. And like I said, I'll I'll listen to it just to get a break from the rest of the stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate it. What's great about this is like we, we have it so that every episode like Stan Lee used to say, 
every comic is somebody's first comic. Mm -hmm. So with our show, it's like every episode is going to be somebody's first episode. So it's like, we're going to do deep dives into these stories, but whether you're a, a longtime reader and a giant fan, like we are, or if you're just somebody that likes the genre, but I mean, a lot of folks are intimidated to get into comic books itself right. because so they don't much. know where to jump in. It, yeah. it, it's hard and it's yeah. intimidating. It and, is. And like, I, I took a two year break while I was in college cause I was poor. And um, <laughs> like when I got back into reading the current stuff, it's like centuries passed. Yeah. So yeah. What this gives us an opportunity to do is to talk about the stories and the moments and the stuff that we love and really have it so that way the, the newbies can get it and the hardcore comic collectors can also really benefit from it. Yeah, I, I came to a point where I was I was about ready to give it up after uh, the, the Secret Wars crossover that Marvel did. You know, I thought they just tied everything up in a nice oh, little the, bow. Oh, the recent one? Yeah, the, the last one. And uh, man, they, they fucked that up afterwards. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it's like, man, you, you were here and then you went here. <laughs> it's like, hey, guys, all this stuff that we just did that you think is going to matter. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. Anymore. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, what? Yeah, I know. I was I, yeah. I felt so betrayed by that. I did, too. I know. I was like, but but doom, he did this. <laughs> yeah, so upset. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but it's interesting. It's a secret language. We're going to start clicking yes. soon. Yeah, Doom. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I'm just going to go over here while you guys no, I, nerd out on that side. <laughs> it's interesting subculture because I took my wife to a Chicago Comic Con uh, a couple years, I don't know, before. I don't know, it was a couple years ago, and she just was like blown away. She's like, this is a whole world I had no idea about. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, fandom itself is one of those things that I, I really love, and it's really part of my life. Um, like, you know, I, I get to go to awesome con every year that's held in DC and it's really the closest thing to like a New York comic con or, a or a San Diego comic con. But really like what I love about fandom itself is that it's, it's, it's beyond politics. It's beyond right. all other culture because it's everyone coming from different parts of life, loving these things. Mm. And I'll never forget. Like I, I went to a convention where the cast of Star Trek next generation showed up and goddamn um they most of them were drunk one of them i'm pretty sure did cocaine and <laughs> oh the chick God. that played counselor troy yeah. who was like you know a, a mother figure for a whole generation yeah or, or or whatever because i know a lot of people may have uh gotten their first uh stiffy from her when they were in <laughs> high school like i didn't realize how much of a raging feminist oh really jerk she was because she starts yelling at people and she's saying, we've had enough of them. But yeah, she has this real angry. She does. Cackling, Very cackling, shrill. Accent. Yeah. Like, just, we, we've had enough of you. And like the guy who played Data is just like, I'm still here. And I, ironically, <laughs> the only person that seemed to have been genuinely happy to be there was Will Whedon. And no one, no one likes Wesley Crusher. So like what was funny was like everyone. And you look at the giant, diverse audience of people there. Like it was everybody you could possibly imagine. Everyone was there. Because they loved the show, right. but in that moment, we were all unified in our hatred of the cast. Interesting, huh. and we all were just like—I mean, it was one of those moments where it's like you could. This is like sitcom gold, right here. <laughs> but it was beautiful in a way. It's like, look, we all came here because we love them, but yeah. the actors hate us all, yeah. so we're just gonna just shit on them all day. It was awesome. <laughs> Did you ever yeah. see? Um, it's a Saturday Night Live with uh, had uh, William Shatner on it. 
and he's at a, a Star Trek convention, and he, um, some guy asked him, like, you know, oh, do you remember what your safe combination was in episode 62? And he's like, no. And he's like, oh, well, what'd you name that that foal your horse just had? And he's like, that, that horse had a foal? And he blows up on him. He's like, move out of your parents' basement. Go kiss a girl or something. And then his publicist, like, whispers in his ear, and he's like, and so that was evil, Kirk. <laughs> Well, it's like, oh my gosh! I gotta <laughs> Google that. What's what that? I loved in that moment was um, the the chick that played the doctor, who was only on for like one season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. She played Will Whedon's mom. She was oh. there, and she at one point she's like, you know, don't you ever want to talk about any of the other roles I've done in indie no. art house films? And somebody no, in the back no. is like, no, <laughs> we came here for Star Trek. <laughs> is that a serious question? <laughs> These are oh. Trekkies. Of course, they don't ki- give a shit about your other roles that you've played in. Nobody cares. <laughs> you think we like Wesley Crusher? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! So, so second print comics. When is the official release of that? Then, uh, I think August eighth. Okay. The uh, first Wednesday of August. I might be wrong, but it'll be coming out really in like two, three weeks. It'll, it'll be awesome. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And you said uh, Patreons are, have access to it now or at least early access to it. Yeah, right? and it, it, you know, if, if it's cool, I can kind of tell people just a few of the things that we're doing uniquely on Patreon. Yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, you know, obviously Patreon is what's going to help really us keep the show moving up. But what we did was uh, we have like the first three episodes out already so you'll always get advanced uh about the advanced uh, ability to listen to the episodes way in advance and we already have a stockpile of episodes but one thing we're doing we call it the the epic crossover level we know that a lot of people who are going to listen to the show probably haven't picked up a comic in years Mm -hmm. and some people just don't know where to start that was something we realized because we don't just want to appeal for the hardcore fans we know that there are a lot of people that want to get into it because they love the movies or the games or the shows, right. but they don't know where to start. So at this level, what we're doing is every three months, um, we're sending people a giant hardcover graphic novel based on one of the storylines that we cover in the show. Nice. Oh, cool. And that gives me like it's $25 a month. But I mean, really, what we're doing is we want we want to reinvest in our audience mm-hmm. who's investing in us. So it's going to be the giant collections hardcover editions of the stories that we talk about so that way we can give them a little piece of the show in a way and in a way it's it's like i i get to i get to mail comics to people yeah it's awesome that, yeah, that, that, that sounds awesome um that yeah. that's the level i'm gonna have to subscribe to because um i that's me i i've even told bill i was like i i would love to get in comics i have no freaking idea where to even start i, I would love to let you borrow them but i'm so protective of my comics it's like <laughs> I, I don't I, lens I, my comics yeah no, no I, I i wouldn't I want to borrow something that's that much gold in your life so you'd probably lend me your children before you lent probably, out your comics probably. so I, i've let people i've let people drive my car yeah but i will not lend them certain comics and graphic novels it's absolutely true. especially not if it's a rare one that you're not going to be able to get your hands on too easily yeah. so and yeah. somebody who doesn't put that much value into it or like i'm not saying that i would destroy your shit but um obviously i don't have that same connection to comics right. as you do so i'm not going to um, take that special care of it as yeah as you would. I'm actually in reality, I'd probably be like I 
I know that he loves this thing. I don't even want to crack it. Because <laughs> I don't want to open it. <laughs> yeah, can, you, can you hold it in front of me while I read it? <laughs> okay, flip the page. Here we go. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm not one that likes to be responsible when some somebody's shit gets messed up. So... Yeah, there's a difference between Mark and I. Like, I I, I live near three comic book stores, and um, I I will always and forever read physical comics. Yes. And for him, um, he he likes to have things on a subscription where it automatically goes into his Kindle, and he can mm-hmm. read the digital version. I think whatever you want to love, whatever whatever reason, version you want to read is the best version for you. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I don't shit on. Well, I shit on Mark sometimes because he's <laughs> also on Kindle. But like um, it's it's one of those things where it's like comics really are uniquely American art form mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a way like the the the, like the the quintessential comic book is really a uniquely American thing. And the great thing about, you know, this is like I tell people in like the in the in the Secret Origins episode zero, which is out publicly. If people want to go listen to it. It's an hour long show. It's crazy. Um, we cover a lot of ground talking about us and how we became fans like comic books taught me to read. Hmm. I refuse to read a book. I, I read by reading Spider-Man wow. and by collecting comics, I, I moved around a lot because my dad was active duty army. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like I can tell you where I was, what I was doing, how I felt, what was going on in the world mm-hmm. based off the comics I have. Right. Yeah, me too. In a way, it's also kind of like a, you know, a, a, a way for me to really look at my own history and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, I mean, they're everywhere. They're great. And, it, it like one of the things that we wanted to do that was different was you have a lot of comic book shows that talk about very niche things or, or certain brands. We, we talk about everyone from Marvel to DC to some of the other publishers like image comics, mm-hmm. Valiant entertainment. We're going to talk about some of the comics that are kind of obscure in a way, like more my favorite are, uh, are uh, Lee Falks, the phantom. He's the purple tights guy that mm-hmm. uh, William Zane played in the movie that we don't talk about. Right. But um, <laughs> I mean, things like that, it's it, it's beautiful now because two things have happened. One, the world has finally figured out the nerds are right. right this stuff yeah. is awesome. <laughs> right. And it's stuff that everyone loves. And secondly, I mean, with Mark and I, we've got combined 10, 15 years experience of podcasting and content creation and digital media. Like we have an opportunity to really, you know, dive down something fun. Yeah. So it's I, I'm I'm so happy. It, yeah. It's finally one of those things, especially now, like what we were talking about, like, it's crazy. We all just need to escape from something mm-hmm. like it's the, the hour and a half to two hour episodes that we're putting out talking about these things. It's been such an escape from everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, we're definitely going to I'm definitely going to have to check that out. And who knows? Like I said, maybe that'll get me into <laughs> comics because I've, I've I've wanted to dive into it. I just I haven't taken that plunge yet so um second print comics definitely check it out when it when it's released or or hit them up on patreon to get those early episodes if if um if you want to support something different something that you love if you're really big into comic books definitely hit them up um so some of the other stuff that you've done you said you were in the army correct you were in the army you currently are or you were yeah okay i i because I knew you you talk about going to military college and stuff, so I wasn't sure if you still were. So in the military, um, podcaster, journalist, author, film writer, you said. Yeah. And do you, do you ever just... I don't sleep much. Do you, yeah. I was going to say, do you, do you ever get off your ass and do anything, Remzo? 
Like, seriously, do you do anything with your life? <laughs> um, so, but but you're not married, though, right? No, I've, I've been with my girlfriend for about five years, though, but we're both, like, uh, you know, realizing that you don't become rich writing books. Mm-hmm. Right. So right, we're both right, trying right. to just, you know, work on that. But we're also thinking about moving. Like, this area is just getting so freaking expensive. Oh, so I congested bet. like we would not want to we would not want to live here much longer so we're trying to figure out our our escape plan going forward so basically uh what remzo is saying is to be successful don't get married <laughs> that's what i hear i'm, I'm not saying that i'm <laughs> no, just, I'm just saying like, like like you know what was funny and i I, I've talked about this a lot more so recently because like I, I, I was like gone for like six months. I, I like no one knew what was going on. I was working mm-hmm. at GameStop. At one point I was a mall cop. It like things <laughs> weren't going really well. Um, it's really because like my I was not free in any portion of my life. I was like I, I was broke. So I'm constantly trying to chase money. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to constantly work on these campaigns for people that don't give a shit about me. And ultimately my thing is like if I have to change the government to change my own life, mm-hmm. then I've, I'm screwing up on other things. Right. But I mean, really, I, 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 I had lost a sense of purpose in my life. And when you lose that, like you're just always going to be chasing things. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've only really been able to stand up and take a breath and look around really only for the past year. Wow. And um, it's like, you know, I was doing all these things because like my, my biggest problem is that I'm a workaholic. And like, I, I tell, like, I, I talk to a lot of like college kids and stuff when I go to conventions and things like that, I'll always meet somebody that might recognize me from one of the things I do. And they're like, how do you do all this? How can I do that? And you know, what I tell them is like, I don't sleep. I don't have much of a social life and mm-hmm. all of it's almost always out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And then they get really turned off. But <laughs> right, I mean, right. what, I've, what I've done more so recently is I've been able to really focus on just the really thick just the few things that I really love and do them really well and do it in a way that I provide value to people. And I can also uh, do well with it. Like one of the things I used to do that I don't do now is I no longer accept paid advertisers for my podcast. Mm-hmm. And I did that very deliberately because when you listen to the show, I just want it to just be the whole uninterrupted episode, the whole conversation. I don't want to have to take breaks for anything or worry about meeting a uh, advertiser requirements so like I put I put a few commercials at the beginning of each episode, mm-hmm. but those are all affiliates. So I don't make any money unless somebody clicks on a link for something. Okay. I don't get I'll, I don't get anything from Robinhood unless somebody you know clicks the Robinhood stock. So I do that because one, I'm giving out value. So I think you know if you can listen to that two three minutes of commercials and maybe get something useful. One, these are all things that I I use myself. So mm-hmm. I don't tell people do anything that I'm not using. I think that there was an ethics problem because there were a few brands or a few services that I used to advertise where it was like, ah, I don't really know how I feel about this anymore. Right. So now it's like, I'm only gonna, you know, I'm only gonna bring those up. I don't make money off that. They provide value to you mm-hmm. and I get something as a result of it. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, my, I I've always wanted, you know, my thing was I always wanted to be an author. My, my biggest problem is like, okay, why don't I write a book? I did that. It, it took mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, a year and a half for the first one. And then for how to succeed in politics, it took me about six months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, 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 you know, not to not to blow more smoke at my own ass. I do a TV show with my brother that's across 17 public access networks and everything gets thrown up on YouTube. It's a paranormal investigation show. We travel and we hunt ghosts and it's that's crazy cool. shit and a lot of fun. 
But like, you know, I, I do that. I do my podcast. I do my job. I'm no longer throwing myself in like 12 different things. It's, mm-hmm. it's really the culmination of five years of living. I like either on couches or crashing my parents and living in cars and stuff and working for almost no money and filming things that, I mean, like my first documentary I did by myself, I filmed like on an iPhone and an mm, old oh DSLR wow. camera. And now when we do our TV show, I'm using like state of the art equipment and crazy shit. It's crazy. Hmm. But I mean, uh, I, I've had the rare opportunity to live a, a, a long life in a very short amount of time. And now my biggest question, especially during times like this is what do I do with the rest of it? Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, I like, pe- I like taking people on the journey with me because I'm still trying to figure it out. Right. I'm scared to do it alone. Sometimes is the, uh, paranormal. Is that a passion that you have with your brother? Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because I have this giant fear of death. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, when we started, it was a spinoff of my, uh, first podcast through I'm sorry, public. We used to think called haunted Republic. And it was mainly debunking these things. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I had a really good friend of mine in the army who died randomly of a heart attack. Like this is, you, you guys know the, the term spotlight ranger. Mm-hmm. Like this is that dude who's just so hardcore. And like we had commissions, like I, I commissioned a year earlier than him and he was going to commission, but like he, he had a random heart attack at the age of 23, oh, wow. dropping his fiance off. And that, that completely, like that, that really made me question. It's like, how is that fair? Right. Like this guy was going to be like a green beret. He was going to be freaking captain America. Like what happened? So like jumping into the paranormal debunk these things, one, it was pursuing like, you know, what happens after you die? Then, you know, I had this kind of change where it's like, you know, maybe I'm starting to believe more in this. Maybe we could do more of it. I mean, really, I think the paranormal and I'm, I'm going to get weird for a second. So mm-hmm. like, let's, just just be weird with me. Just be with me in this moment. I'm down. I think really looking into the paranormal and the supernatural are the only major questions in life worth putting a lot of effort into pursuing. Mm-hmm. Because we focus so much on day-to-day things that may or may not matter so much in mm-hmm. the long term. I think a lot of these questions are the only questions that really matter. Because once you start getting to the point where you're investigating, you know, different ghosts and spirits and other anomalies such as demons, and then you start getting into the weird occult stuff, and maybe at some point you're getting to UFOs, like you're no longer worrying about a lot of the tangible shit that a lot of people worry about. Right. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So the the name of that show is The Witching Hour. Is that correct? Yep. The Witching Hour. And season two is out now. Uh, you know, they're on their website, argosparanormal.com, A-R-G-O-S paranormal.com. We have the list of all the web of all the stations. So you can watch it on TV live if you want to. But we post everything on YouTube as well. We've got all of season one, a whole bunch of vlogs, and we're uploading uh, new episodes of the show from the current season a week after they come out on our networks. And it was it was just some crazy shit we saw. And honestly, I think a lot of that helped kind of prepare me mentally and spiritually for this whole year, hmm. because, I mean, you, you start to really look at things in a in a different way when you're you know chasing invisible dead people. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, that's definitely a, a kind of a change, of course, from the stuff you used to like deal with uh, as you're, you're talking about the. I, I will take unimportant stuff like politics and stuff like that. I, I will take, you know, sleeping in a crack house, asking if anyone <laughs> is listening to me versus working for another politician. In yeah. 
That says a lot. So uh, yeah. I think I'm going to take a quick break um, before we we keep going here. We I mean, we could probably keep going for we can get, several we can get hours. weird if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. I, I do want to get um, a little more of, uh, like, I know you don't talk like talking about current events or politics. I, I'm not going to get into politics anymore. But um, I want to get a little into uh, this COVID thing a little more with you and, like, how uh, your side of the country is handling it and what you've seen. Because I know Bill just took a trip, too, to Alabama, and he's kind of covered or at least talked to me about uh, the atmosphere down there. And I want to get your take on maybe some of the rest of this crazy uh, shit that's going on with it. So um, we're going to go to break. Go get yourself something to drink. Definitely come back and uh, check out the rest of the interview with Remzo. Um, definitely, uh, if you get a chance, check out some of the, his works that he's, he's talked about, his books and his podcasts and uh, this TV show. Uh, but we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Uh, Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Me- Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G O U L A S H media.net. <laughs> and we're back from break. Uh, we're back here with Remzo Martinez. Uh, Going to kind of dig into maybe just some of the stuff that he's seeing going on in the world with this. Uh, the COVID 19 Corona. I think we, we decided we we're calling it Corona because. Yeah, we- did. Because that's uh, the OG uh, name for it, yeah. and it's sexier than COVID. It, it is so. I, I like the Wu flu. The, the, the Wu, Wu flu. flu? Oh, maybe maybe we'll have to change it to Wu flu. Kung fluey. <laughs> I like that. Got one. more of a. It's like it's like the Disney spin. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> when, when's that Disney movie come out? The Kung flu. <laughs> You've seen the life of what cars would do if they had feelings, what bugs would do if they have feelings, and what toys would do. Now imagine what life is Corona's like. I want to see the musical Coming number. Coming to you this Christmas, woo flu. Corona is just misunderstood and never gets any any uh, good things said about it. So we're releasing the real story of, of Corona and her feelings. That's hilarious. So you... you said a little bit ago you took this trip in Virginia and um you're you told me that uh um you got a, kind of a taste of pandemic stricken Virginia and that was when I uh messaged you and asked what you wanted to talk about that was um almost verbatim what you told me so um did you I I don't know east coast is clearly way different than here in the midwest and down south everyone kind of has their own way of handling things their their own atmosphere and their outlook on life. It, it's interesting to me that you can go to different regions of the United States and not only the states have different laws and stuff for like stay-at-home orders, each state is different, but then just the way people handle themselves is completely different. So I just want to kind of dig into the atmosphere, what's going on on the East Coast with all this and how bad it is, how serious are people taking it and what what kind of stuff are you seeing over there? Yeah, it's been it, it's been interesting because I mean the story of the East Coast is primarily uh, New York, Maryland, Virginia, and DC. Um, 
when this happened, ironically, back in March, my girlfriend and I were supposed to do a, a vacation to see some friends in New York. And like a few days before we would have flown out, New York basically shut down. And I mean, New York City alone was like the epicenter of all this. Mm -hmm. That was where a majority of the cases in the United States were. Uh, Maryland started seeing a lot happen in like Montgomery County, which is more closer to D.C. And D.C., which has always been a cesspool of, you know, of disease and just all this other shit. They, they got hit really bad because they've got poor, poor infrastructure and poor systems of protection. Mm. Um, and I mean, Virginia was afraid of that. And what I do often see is that like in Northern Virginia, when you have all the defense contractors and when you have all the, the moneyed interest, when they're afraid of getting sick, uh, they, they want things to close down fast. So Virginia shut down really hard. Um, we were down like phase three, which is like, you know, 50% occupancy, please work from home as much as you can, but we have mm -hmm. a mandatory mask order. Um, I mean, it was really, it was really those, those three states and the, and the district, but it was just really funny seeing that, especially as like, um, you know, Maryland, for example, Maryland's probably been one of the better states when it comes to this, but like the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, he was able to get like a ton of masks and a ton of ventilators sent over from the Koreans. Oh, wow. So he was seen as like a national hero of mm -hmm. that. But I mean, it's just been, it, it's just been so strange because where I live, I mean, it's very, it's a very progressive area, Northern Virginia, which is really deep blue, really dictates the rest of the state, which is really a, a conservative state. And I mean, the, the people around here, especially like they, they wear their masks when they drive their car. So I can only assume that they sleep with condoms on too. It's, um, <laughs> Just it, it's in case. Been, yeah, it's been this strange thing where it's like we all kind of lost the ability to have functioning immune systems. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we had a lot, we had like going towards the summer, I mean, people really want a vacation here and stuff. We have one of the largest migratory populations uh, coming from uh, out of the country. So, I mean, just when you look at uh, the number of hands that are being shaken and where everyone's going, it, it really freaked people out. But really, what really um, just shocked me was the fact that as I'm driving more down south past uh, past Fredericksburg, past Richmond, um, I'm, I'm hitting a lot of these really small towns and I mean, they they were already they already had two things going against them before this one. It was the youth flight. Anyone that's smart knows that they need to get out of these dying towns. So you have a large population of just really old white people. Mm -hmm. And then what you had, I mean, that's primarily it. Then what you had was you had a lot of businesses that you know supported things such as tobacco. Virginia killed our tobacco industry decades ago which was a terrible idea. And then, you know, we also, uh, we had a little bit of mining, a lot more of the minings in West Virginia, that state. But I mean, we had some mining, we had some steel mills, like we didn't like all those industrial jobs, like they all went away at some point. So now right. all the jobs are gone. So now you have all the young people leaving now all the jobs are going. Then what you did was you forced all the businesses to shut down. So really these towns that were already just getting their shit kicked in, on a daily basis now they're just dead and mm. it was so crazy driving through that i would be the only person on the road for miles oh. i did my trip in the middle of june uh while the entire state was in phase two at the time mm -hmm. and it's just it, it's tragic seeing this because where i live like everyone can basically do their job from home like we have everything delivered to us we really are living luxurious blessed very fortunate lives 
So we can afford to close down buildings. We can afford to do a lot of this stuff because you can still go to Walmart right. and you're still going to have, have other people go deliver your groceries and your food for you. Mm. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but that's a luxury a lot of people don't have. Right. So then, you know, to see how the other half lives in a way, like, you know, I saw a lot of communities talking about how it's affecting, uh, you know, black communities and lower income communities. And I mean, they had very obvious, very real concerns. I'm not discounting that at all. But, you know, one of the things that you have hitting a lot of Southern populations is the fact that, you know, we're also in the middle of the whole statue argument. Right. Um, you know, so obviously we can't deal with the old white Southern people who want to go to work, make money, and they don't want their statues t- torn down. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to pretend those people don't exist. So, I mean, it was a really sobering experience, but it was really just showing me the fact that there's this whole other part of American life that's just being ignored for reasons that these people cannot control. And I mean, you, you, you start to see this and it's like those people can't, can't work from home. One, two, they need to go to work to feed themselves. And three, um, I mean, they're they're already har- they're already being harmed by policies that they. I mean, it's out of it's out of their hand. They can't control what's going around the world. Right. Nonetheless, it's going on in their state because of the massive population bump in Nova, which is blue. So that's harming them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, seeing that alone with COVID, um, I mean, it was really kind of putting the final nail on their coffin. So I mean, that was the economic thing. In terms of the cultural thing too, I mean. We have a large opioid epidemic here. We have a lot of um, unemployment down south because of all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. But, you know, when the statue thing was really starting, when they were tearing it down, I mean, it's I, I, I understand it. But at the same time, it's like I, I stopped by and I didn't post a lot of pictures of it because I just want to keep some things for myself. And I didn't feel the need to get into arguments of people they were going to be ignorant about. But I, I, I'm a big history buff. Right. And I love living in Virginia because you've got massive, mass civil war and revolutionary war history. So I like to stop by these monuments and we've got a lot of Confederate monuments. But, you know, there, there are two different types of monuments you see. You see monuments that were really done to commemorate the lives of the men who died in the civil war. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the lost cause narrative monuments. And usually if you, if you, if you see enough, you could tell the difference between what was done to really perpetrate like this, this lost cause myth of the South. Mm-hmm. And then you could see the memorials that were done for literally entire towns worth of men who died and never came back. Right. And it's those monuments that get torn down because they're confused with the other ones. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't believe you should have Confederate monuments in West Virginia. You know, there's this petition going around to replace all West Virginia Confederate monuments. West Virginia was secede from Virginia to be a union state. Right. Uh, they they want to replace all those monuments with monuments of the West Virginia Mothman. And I'm so for that. But like in Virginia, I, I stopped in a town in Buckingham where I saw one of their monuments from the courthouse. And it's like, you look at the men they're commemorating. It's like, these are sons and fathers who went to go fight in the war for the money mm-hmm. interest of richer men who didn't have to go fight and they never came back. Right. And like, you know, everyone talks about, you know, slavery and all this other stuff, not being too distant. Well, it's like, you know, when you take away two generations of men from a town, like that leaves a giant freaking impact as well. Right. So, I mean, it really kind of forced me to really reflect and understand that in a way. 
So, I mean, it, it was just one of these times where so much stuff is going on at the same time. It's like I had an opportunity to get away from where I was and really see how, you know, how the world looks from the side of other people. And uh, I'm glad I did it. I, it was a good trip. But like by the end of it, like I, I, I cut a few days off to go visit my girlfriend in Maryland because I just needed to be with other people. I was just mm-hmm. getting like it, it was it was getting to me in a way. Mm-hmm. So and it was it was interesting. It, that is interesting. You talk about the monuments that you don't hear in the mainstream narrative um, monuments of whether whether or not you're on the right side of history or not. The like you said, entire towns were taken out. Their their male adult population were were destroyed and taken out. And yeah, people do want to remember their family and and the people that died fighting this cause. Yeah, whether like I said, whether or not it's a good cause or a bad cause, a a lot of people died. And to destroy these monuments, to take take these monuments out with with the other ones you were talking about, that that doesn't sit right with me and we're in the Midwest, which is no Confederate heritage at all. Even though you still see people rolling around with their Confederate flags, just right. because <clears throat> for whatever reason, they think that's part of their heritage here in the Midwest for some yeah, reason. I, I, I got, I got confused when I saw that, like when I lived in Kansas, like I've, mm. like I, I was born in Arizona and I've typically lived in like the Southwest and you know, the, the South and uh, you know, I've been in Virginia for for 12 years now. Virginia really is my adopted home. I I, I really really love this state. So when I see that elsewhere, I'm like, shut up, that's our thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like it, it it is strange in a way. Like, uh, I I can't have a conversation about the Civil War. With some people I, I'm related to a uh, you know somebody by marriage who is a radio personality in Virginia, and I'm not. I mean, in Florida. And I'm not going to talk to her about this stuff because she gets all her sources from John Oliver. Um, and it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to talk to a person yeah. that already, you know, they think that that's that that's credible history. I mean, you, yeah. you, you want to know who were the who were like the double losers, one, because they fought and two, because in, in you know, half of it, they lost there in the south immigrants who were drafted by the north as they got off the boats and were forced to fight or get kicked out. Right. And then poor white people in the mm-hmm. south and because they had to go fight for all these rich plantation owners right. and it's like are you telling me that a majority of the poor white population of the south owned slaves and were right. fighting so that rich right. people could own slaves i mean one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is when it comes to like westward expansion which is a big problem when they were trying to decide who would be free states and uh slave states like you had a large contingent of the, the the union labor force at the time that was like, we don't want to compete with slave labor because then that kicks us out of a job. Right. I mean, when you look at a lot of the early abolitionists, yeah, they want to abolish slavery, but they're not abolitionists in the way that we have we have really romantically looked at them. They weren't doing it to go ahead and give black people suffrage. I mean, Frederick Douglass points that out. It's like we don't want to just be sent to sent back to Africa. We want to have inalienable rights such as every other U.S. citizen. Frederick mm-hmm. Douglass was pointing that out, mm-hmm. who was a former slave who taught himself to read, who schooled Lincoln on things. Frederick Douglass, pe- people say they love him, but they know nothing about him. He was the one calling out a lot of these problems right before the war. So, I mean, for a lot of these Southerners at the time, it's like, they're they're being told that they're getting this invading army of people who don't speak their language who are going to go ahead and destroy the constitutional order 
if, if you don't know much more than that, yeah, I think you're going to go fight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are two very different views on that. Lincoln said, and Lincoln had some very, very controversial views on race. He wanted to go ahead and he, he changed his mind after he spoke to Frederick Douglass. But I mean, early on in his presidency, he said, if I could, if I could prevent the war without freeing a single slave, I would do that. Right. And then you have Robert E. Lee who said, if I could free every slave now to prevent the war, I would do that. Right. Hmm. I mean, it, it was, a, it was, yeah. I mean, people, people in the South who are Southern apologists say, no, the war was not about slavery. And it's, it's, it's like semantics in a way. It's like, mm-hmm. you could say that's not the sole reason, but that's a big reason that's driving it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, it's just when, when you see the names, when you begin to count them, it's like, you know, people say, don't tear down history. It's like, okay, why? It's not just to go ahead and give someone a nice scholastic lesson. Mm-hmm. I think in America, like we've become so distanced from our wars because they're so often overseas and we're fighting right. people who are mm-hmm. so different from us as a culture. I mean, this is one of those times where it's like this was a war between neighbors and families here in our own country. And they should remind you that war is the most horrible thing that mankind can do unto itself. Right. And that we should remember that impact and hope that this never happens again. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. It, you talk about neighbors fighting each other. It was literally neighbors fighting each other because you look at i don't know if you ever seen the documentary read into you that the hatfield and mccoys how they oh, were yeah one of them decided to go fight for the union and so that was what made the other family even though they were pretty much like friends and neighbors like not the next house over but their their properties they owned vast amounts of properties and and they were almost next to each other and um it just split people as split families family certain parts of families would go fight on one side because of the state they were in and certain would certain parts of the family would fight on the confederate side and yeah it just splitting families splitting uh communities and taking out communities and it, it, it's just something you don't even can't even fathom or imagine today with war like you said war today because we're just going and fighting uh just a vague enemy like we don't even know really who we're fighting anymore is it the iraqis is it the uh, um pakistanis or one of the one of the stands where we're fighting who who cares i mean it's it's not at home like you said and there's not that that connection i i couldn't even imagine in, in my mind what that would be like to to see that firsthand like yeah, between yeah. people of the same culture yeah, and I mean, I, I say it now jokingly to a large group of people are like, oh, I'm afraid of an upcoming civil war between the people. I'm like, well, who would it really be between? Like, right. like really ask yourself, who is it? Is it a party? Is it another state? Is it, you know, an ethnic group? Is it a racial group? Like, who is it? I don't, I don't understand what that civil war is. Who's fighting right. you? Because everyone seems to be fighting amongst each other when you look beyond the things. Like, I, I, I tell people all the time, I I. Like, this is my opinion. I know that Trump is going to win. Why? Because I hear Democrats saying that to each other. They don't mm-hmm. say it to Republicans, but they say it to each other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it, it's just one of those things where it's like we're so lazy. We, a month ago, we were worrying about freaking running out of toilet paper. You're telling me that the dude across the street's going to go ahead and fight me? Right, exactly. Because of what the of what freaking you know Anderson Cooper says on TV. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like no one's that hardcore. Everyone talks a good <laughs> fight, but no one's actually gonna go do that shit. 
And look, I, yeah, it's it's fucking insane. We'll look back fifty years from now. We'll look back and see the the infamous uh, civil memoir of twenty twenty. Right, yeah. <laughs> where, I, I, ha- I have yeah. I have friends who call themselves like the memoir veterans of twenty sixteen. They were they actually <laughs> organized. They they organized the effort to create that draft our daughters campaign. <laughs> So they were like legit meme war veterans, but it's like, you know, we, we talk about violence. And I mean, I think anyone that's been in the military, been in law enforcement, he's actually seen what we can inflict upon each other. Like some of the most peaceful people I've ever met in my life were people who have been over, served in combat and know and have the ability to kill. And they know what that's like. That's different. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's really humbling in a deep way. And I mean, uh, American history, world history is complicated. Like I I live in an area with a lot of people who are not even from this country. They come here for work and for business and other stuff. And, you know, I I had to tell this to one of my relatives the other day. It's like the only reason why they're able to criticize us so much and so publicly about, you know, civil rights and our, 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 the ugly parts of our past is one, we were one of the first countries to film it. Right, and to right. photograph it like they understand the Civil War was the first war that could be photographed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we we can talk about, you know, incidents of, you know, massive mistreat, mistreatment of our black population. Why? Because we were able to document it in, on camera. Like right. if if everyone else had that ability, like some of these people from some of these countries, I think they're holier than that. They wouldn't be talking much. Yeah, right? no, no there's kidding. A, there's a reason why Germans who are born today are still going to be inundated with generations of shame. It's mm-hmm. because World War II is one of the most documented hit wars in all of history. We're right. still trying to find footage from World War One. Right. Like that's crazy. But um, I mean, it's just one of those things. And I mean, it, it's complicated when you really look at it. Like my family, I come from a very multiracial, multiethnic family. My mom's dad is American, was American. Uh, he passed away in the early, late 80s. And my mom's mom is Korean. Hmm. And then my dad's dad is from Puerto Rico. And my dad's mom is from Michigan. So technically, I'm the first person born in my immediate family in the United States, in the mainland. And when you look at my, my mother's family, which has some well-documented genealogy, my mom is related, you know, so I'm related through my mom's side. to one of the first officers to lead uh, an integrated black battalion for the union in the civil war. Oh, wow. So like, I'm, I'm very proud of that, Mm -hmm. but in the way it's like, look where I lived, look where I grew up. Like I, I am, I am culturally a, a southerner. And I love Virginia. And I, I have said this publicly, so enough people can shit on me about it. But like, I like Robert E. Lee. I think he was a good and honorable man who made some extremely difficult decisions that I wouldn't want to put on anybody else. And he was on the wrong side of an issue, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the difficult thing about his life is he, he lived. A lot of people that served under him didn't live. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his life after the Civil War, he could have done anything. And so he went to go build up a school like that, 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 that is an honorable person I see. Right. And you look at Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee was not fighting his own friends. Like that was one of the things that people don't realize, like a lot of his friends who he served in like the Mexican American war with, he was fighting against a lot of them died. He had to live with that too. Mm-hmm. So it's like anyone else in this position would have probably like kept storming towards DC. He technically had the ability to do that, except he didn't want to see more young people die 
under his command. So what did he do when he went ahead and signed the treaty to end the at least the, the campaign for the Army of Northern Virginia because he didn't feel it was his role as a general to end the war on behalf of something Jefferson Davis, the president of the CSA, should have done. He went back to his camp for the Army of Northern Virginia and he said, go home and be good citizens. Mm-hmm. That's some hard shit to tell people. Right? Yeah. 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 And it probably hard shit for them to live up to because they went through all that bullshit too. They, I'm surprised they, no one tried to kill him. Right. Like genuinely, yeah. I'm surprised no one said, okay, you're a traitor. Right. Because you just surrendered. No, they they packed their shit and they went home and they had to do something extremely difficult. They had to live as the losers. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet. You know, it says something about his leadership for them to just pack it up and Absolutely, go home yeah. and, and not turn on him and not just decide to replace him and, and keep going. That that says something about um, how he was and how he handled his, his troops because they they followed that order, whether they liked it or not, they, they did it. Yeah, like it's it's those things. I'm sorry to interrupt. But like it's no, those things about yeah. history where it's like the context really does matter, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the toxicity of where we're at, where you know these, these mobs and, and people they they don't care about that. You know they they just look at it as he was on the wrong side, pushing slavery. He needs to be torn down. You know, and he they, so they don't want to learn about any of that. They don't want to learn about any of those guys who fought on that side and really understand where they're coming from. They just look at it as they're wrong. Cancel console, uh, cancel culture. We need to get rid of them. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, what what are are you from Alabama originally? No, I'm not. Um, my dad was uh, active duty military, so he retired in Alabama. Okay. So, did he work out like Maxwell? Uh, yeah, he did. His last uh, okay. assignment was out of Maxwell. Okay, cool. Like, um, so I. I lived in Marion, Alabama, right outside of Selma by like 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. like the, the thing I didn't understand about living in like the deep South was like how economically different it is from mm-hmm. the rest of the country. Right. And like, I didn't really understand what poverty was until I lived out there. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, and I, I think like Dave Chappelle, when he did his uh, recent special on YouTube talking about the death of George Floyd, and he's talking about how literally his great grandfather was a, a, like, a I don't know if it was his parents were slaves or he was a slave who lived to be a free man. And that's only a few generations ago. Like he's right about that. But it's like, you know, as, as someone that's a, that's really a lifelong student of history, like you want to talk about, you know, generational trauma. Yeah, like Jim Crow, you could still see the remnants of that in some ways. But you can right. also see a lot of the remnants of the post-Reconstruction period. Mm-hmm. Like when Sherman went down and burned down cities and civilian populations. Like, yeah, there's a reason why there's not a lot of people who want to live there. Right. Because all the everything was just destroyed. And, you know, a- Andrew Jackson, like, I'm not a big fan of him from a historical perspective, but man, I feel bad for anyone that has to reconstruct half of the country afterwards. Mm -hmm. It didn't, the South really didn't start beginning to mobilize its economic power until world war two. So you're talking what? 50, 70 years. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. That it it took them to bounce back from that. Yeah, people don't even talk about that. They don't even put that put that into perspective that that you still got cultures 
that are are feeling the effects from the the civil war and you don't see that especially this far north like you don't hear that at all i'm sure down there you hear about it but up up here where where all people want to do is um turn on anybody that that might have any inclination towards the south um they don't think about how they're still living in poverty because the fields were burned and the towns were destroyed and um everything was basically stripped of them during this generation and and i mean I, that's just not something we we ever even are told to think about yeah and yeah. you know it's funny because uh a couple of years ago, I took a church group down to Georgia for a uh, summer camp and uh, from Iowa down to, to Georgia. And, uh, you know, you, you see how raw it still is, is when one of the kids from Iowa is walking and he's like, well, at least we didn't lose the war. And then the Georgia kids are like, fuck you. And I mean, just starts his entire rivalry Holy in the shit. camp. <laughs> Holy shit. Man. I bet that oh, no, I bet that went over. Well. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I um, move a little bit back to the the Corona stuff um, because it, it's still a big thing going on here too. Um, I, I was curious. I did have a question about um, Virginia or DC. Like, what are do they have? Did they have uh, stay at home orders and mask laws and stuff like that, or is it more self imposed stuff going on, or or how did they handle it at a state? Uh, I mean, at, at the beginning, it was a total shutdown. Like you, you know, it's bad when the metro closes down. Like it was, it was really rough. And um, DC got hit the hardest. Northern Virginia had a majority of the cases because we have the densest population mass, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, it took months to get into phase two but at, at the beginning like you had a lot of counties in northern virginia prince william fairfax and uh uh yeah and i mean they they kept petitioning the governor to allow us to stay in phase one for a while so we got jealous of the south because they got to they got to move into phase two but then again mm. like a lot of people didn't realize it's like yeah one they didn't have a majority of the cases too. If you can let people go back to work and start living their lives to a degree, let them do that. So the mm-hmm. state was split into DC stayed in phase one for a while. Uh, now, now we're in like, I guess, phase three, which is basically stay at home if you can, but uh, 50% occupancy for most places. A lot. Of, I went to a restaurant with my friends the other night and we had to get like our temperature take taken at the, oh, wow. at like where the host was. That was weird. And, um, you know, the, the thing is now you can get fined like $130 for not wearing a mask. Wow. So, oh, really? I mean, statewide? Yeah, so DC, yeah. So DC and Virginia statewide, they have the mandatory mask laws. Like if you're running, like if you're like, I went hiking yesterday, if you're hiking, you don't have to wear a mask, but if you're going to a store or something, you have to do it. And, uh, I, I, I personally think that's stupid shit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went mm-hmm. to physical therapy this week and, um, and I had to take an elevator three stories to get to the place where it was. And there's this woman in front of me and we both had our masks on. She's reading the sign that I noticed was above the buttons for the elevator. And she's reading it and she looks at me and she goes, ah, they don't say anything about masks. They say stuff about social distancing, about washing your hands. They say nothing about masks. And I mean, this, this Karen just, <laughs> I was going to say, she sounds like a Karen. 
Yeah, she, this this Karen totally pinched the nerve with me. I looked at her and I'm like, it's all theater anyway. I just don't want to get a hundred thirty dollar fine. So she looks at me like I just like I just kicked a baby, and she's like, well, I'm trying to save lives, and I just didn't say anything to her because what 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 can you tell the sheeple? Right. And ultimately, it's like you know, Karen, thank you for saving society. Boy, I think it's stupid, and I'm just afraid you'll call the cops on me. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, the governor. Now, of, I have no clue when this is going to end. Oh, I know. The governor of Iowa has been getting all kinds of shit because she has not imposed some kind of mandatory mask rule. Uh, we so. just lost your video. Oh. So, yeah. Um, Iowa is the more lax state that I've heard of, which is nice for us. Like, we've talked a lot about why why the hell are we still in Iowa then this this shit happened. It's like, I'm kind of glad we're, we're in Iowa at this point because no mask laws. Um, no stay at home orders. There was, um, they did shut down the bars and restaurants and stuff for a while. Shut down the gyms, the gyms. Yeah. That was, that was frustrating. Cause I had just finally decided to get back into the gym and then coronavirus, um, kind of ruined that for both of us. But, uh, for the most part, people do wear masks. There's no mask laws, but some certain businesses will require you to like Menards requires you to wear if you, I don't know, do they have Menards out there? I think Menards. I have is no regional. clue what you're talking Menards about. Menards is uh, <laughs> kind of like kind of like Home Depot or Lowe's. It's yeah. just I, it must be a Midwest. Thing. Yeah, it's it's regional. And so, um, the, well, it's like, do you have do you have a uh, Hardee's or Carl's Jr.? We have Hardee's. It's here. Hardee's. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, we've got Carl's Jr. at right, here. and it's not the same thing. I don't think. No. Yeah. Like it, they say it is, but I don't believe it. I I don't either. <laughs> I lived in North Carolina for two and a half years and Carl's Jr. is not the same. I don't like Hardee's though. No, well, I, I did to, like Carl's Jr. I went to visit my sister in Georgia and they had a Carl's Jr. there and I could get a burrito there. Ooh. And I was like, whoa, a burrito from basically Hardee's? <laughs> yeah, this is right. crazy. So, Stay in your lane, heart attack, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but like I was saying, I was just a lot more lax, but you still have like 70, probably 70% of the people wearing masks around just because that's, the thing they're told they should do and uh we have the big flashy billboards uh, on oh, the freeways yeah. that tell you hey make sure you're staying your six t- your uh your six feet social distancing and one one of them even said uh it said make sure you're covering your your cough even in the, your own car <laughs> i'm just like what the i'll do whatever the fuck i want to in my own car i don't want yeah. <laughs> and it like you Talk, said earlier, you see people driving with masks in their own freaking car. It's like you're touching your mask, you're touching your steering wheel, you're touching yeah. every everything in your car is your own personal germ. So you're trying to protect yourself from your own germs right now. Like it makes absolutely no sense. You see that you got people driving around in their cars by themselves with a mask on. My my favorite was yesterday driving down the main drag of our city, and there's a guy driving a moped, you know, top speed. Wearing a mask and no helmet. <laughs> God bless that moron. Wow. I ride a motorcycle. I don't always wear a helmet, but you're not going to catch me wearing a Still, freaking mask either. It, it, it's the juxtaposition. It's the juxtaposition that shocks me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's that contradiction that bothers me. And I mean, yeah. I, I've been saying like this is turning like a pseudo religious experience for it some is. people. It is because it's like there, there's enough there. There are enough, uh, you know, elected officials who have said, 
we must do everything to stop Corona. But if you have to go to a protest, the, the goddess of social justice will shield you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah. this is some retarded shit. Well, yeah. I had re- read a study from health experts, quote unquote, um, that had said there would no spike in, in coronavirus cases due to the protests and all that stuff going on. It's just like, haven't they been talking about this spike that's been going on in the yeah. last four or five weeks? Like the second spike just yeah. coincidentally happens to be at the same time as these mm-hmm. protests going on. It's like, where where are you getting your science from? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Just like it, like there, there, there is a valid criticism that you have a lot of right wing people who are discrediting and saying we don't need experts like that. I, I think there is a bit of a validity to saying that, yeah, maybe some people are intentionally ignoring the experts. Mm-hmm. But what do you say when the experts are saying that, you know, it's it's such a cultural societal health risk. It's almost worth catching Corona. Mm-hmm. Because we had doctors from like, you know, John Hopkins in D.C. and stuff who were out marching with people. And it's like, listen, under any other circumstance, if you want to march, if you want to peacefully protest, I don't care. It's your right as an American. Go do that. Yeah. But in this situation where you're literally prioritizing this versus the risk of something that, you know, they're saying can kill everybody, but you have a 99 percent chance of recovering from. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's idiocracy. It yeah. is. And it's like I said, it's like you, you can't go to a loved one's funeral. You know, you can't go to a graduation, but you can protest, you know. Right. I, I, I know several people who had grandparents in senior living facilities who died and they couldn't go to the wake and they had to hold like a virtual funeral. That's crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. So those are experiences you will never get again. Like forget your mm-hmm. fucking high school graduation. Good yeah. job doing something that you should be able to do even if you don't try. Right. But for things like that, <laughs> right. like when you yeah. can't go to a funeral. Absolutely. Yeah. That's some, yeah, that's not something you get back. Um, and that is such a a, a personal thing to right. not get to experience or something that personal that oh, don't worry, we you can watch this on a, a live stream on Zoom. That that's cool. It's it's not the same thing. You don't get to right. say your last goodbyes over Zoom. Is somebody gonna hold a I mean, this is going to sound morbid, but is somebody going to hold an iPad over grandpa's casket so you can say your last goodbyes to grandpa? Or how how, how the hell does that work? They they found a way. They found a way. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's ridiculous. I think the only people who have who've really benefited from this are people who were going to get married but didn't want to invite a lot of people. It's like, oh, no, we have to save money and do a quick wedding and hurry this up and not deal with people we don't like. Right. Mail your stuff to this address. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It's just a bizarre time we're living in. Like, stuff that you never thought you would ever utter in a sentence like oh yeah we went to we had a live stream of a funeral today like we we watched a funeral my grandpa's funeral online like you, you just 6 months ago you would have never yeah. those those words would have never come out of your mouth as a as a complete sentence yeah i, I love the photo i'm sorry i cut you off go ahead no i was just going to say i'm curious to know how much uh, cremations have gone up in this time <laughs> you know because you can't have actual oh funerals gosh. so Right. I almost feel like that would make it worse in the right. way it's like you're putting that stuff into the air somehow. <laughs> Spreading Corona through ashes I, of others. <laughs> I had, I, I need to, I need to update my will because I've changed it a few times for how I want my funeral to be. I think 
out. I hope this isn't still on there. I got to check, but like I want it to be cremated and then I wanted my urn to be shot over. But before, well, let me let me go back a little bit. I wanted my urn to be kind of like a, a double-sided salt shaker so that <laughs> once it's shot into the air, I want it to go above the Playboy Mansion. Nice. And just sprinkle your ashes all over the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> a little, yeah. little piece of Remzo is all over all over the Playboy Mansion. Exactly. Perfect. You better you better make sure that happens. I, I want to be invited to that event when that happens if you for some reason die before i do i I want to be it'll be it'll be televised and everything i hope (laughs) so yeah like i said i was nothing like um you guys there as far as like charges and mass charges but i know bill had read that at least a city in colorado uh englewood colorado um they said that if you're a repeat offender of not having a mask, you're looking at a year of jail time. Jail time for not wearing masks now. Not just fines. We're talking jail time. Yeah, It's kind of counterintuitive. How can you social distance in a jail? <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. When they're releasing inmates to help with coronavirus, and then they're going to arrest you for not wearing Maybe a mask. Maybe that's the point. It's like you want to hang out with a bunch of people who won't wear a mask. <laughs> we'll just stick you all in one room together. I mean, maybe that's the point of it. But talk about victim... Well... What I would consider victimless crime, I guess you get those people that are like, well, there is a victim. All the, the yeah. old people that you're sneezing and coughing on because you don't want to wear a fucking mask. Well, still, got an overcrowded jail problem already. Let's start arresting people because they don't wear a mask. Well, we've come a long way from flattening the curve at this point. you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, now it, like you said, it's not even about flattening the curve. It's just, well, they, t- they told us. This is what we're supposed to do, so you need to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a, a religion thing, or it's just going with the, the flow because this is the thing we do. And my father-in-law brought this up yesterday, which was really interesting um, that he would, would kind of think like this because this is more of how I would think. He's like, people have been wearing masks for years over in Asia, Asian countries, like in China mm-hmm. and in Japan. They've been wearing. They they always have worn masks. It's like that didn't stop them from spreading coronavirus all over the world when they were already wearing. They canceled the, the Olympics. Yeah, of, right. Right. It's supposed yeah. to be in Japan. Yeah, I know. I was looking forward to it because they did like anime drawings of all the different countries, and it was going to be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, because I remember before all this stuff happened, my daughter's into anime, and she wanted to get a medical mask because of anime cartoons. They always draw them in like the medical mask and stuff. I'm just like, that's stupid. That's just a medical mask. And she's like, well, then why do they wear it? I was like, I don't know. Maybe they have diseases and stuff over there. I, I don't know. But like he, my father-in-law was saying, they already were wearing the mask. How the hell did they spread this disease all over the country that's supposed to be stopped by these masks if they were already wearing the mask? Yeah. So I, I just thought that was an interesting conversation that that he brought up and i'd never even really thought like that because it, it it's true i mean the whole mask thing i think there it's not gonna i mean the most part people are just wearing t-shirt material over their face too how does that stop a virus it, it it's it, it's it's like the tsa the tsa has never caught a terrorist yeah in yeah. their entire existence but we still have to trust the tsa and we're still paying I, I, for them yeah what what worries me is that you know, the one thing that they haven't really spoken about, but that they have said publicly is that, and this comes from both the media and the, and the government, 
um, like in Virginia, they're already telling us prepare to go back to phase zero oh, in, in the coming months. So like this, by September, October, because of the seasonal change, they're expecting um, viruses and every the COVID to go ahead and spike again. So then we'll have like a real, you know, winter is coming moment where throughout all the holidays and everything, we're going to have to go back to where we were through like March through May. And is that be- is like, it's like, I want to know how many people have caught just the regular seasonal flu and mm-hmm. influenza. Like oh, yeah. that kills, that kills millions of people a year mm-hmm. like yeah. that alone. But we don't talk about that. It's like people only die of Corona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've seen, there's an interview where this woman, she's an expert or of some sort. I, I can't remember who she was, but they were, she was up giving like a public speech and they asked her about, um, on death certificates. When, when do you put coronavirus death on a death certificate? And her exact words were, uh, that if a person dies and they test positive for Corona, they put it on a death certificate. That was from her mouth. Like whether or not they die, she even said, even if they die of old age or something like that, if they tested positive, they put coronavirus on the death certificate. And that just just lends credence to how much bullshit this whole thing is. I mean, yes, I do believe there is a disease out there. There is a this virus out there, but it is such bullshit when, when you can put something like that on a death certificate just and you know it's just to to increase the numbers to make oh, it look yeah. way worse than it is because Absolutely. why why else would they do it? Yeah, I mean, George Floyd was counted as a corona death. <laughs> of course he that's was. How we, that's how we should know, like literally, that's how we should all know that there's something wrong with this number because we all yeah. know that he did not die from corona. Yeah, yeah. But the world knows he was, But he was COVID positive despite being asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. They counted him as a corona death. Perfect. That I mean, oh. everybody, everybody's seen in the world how George Floyd died, but corona death. Well, it's like the guy here in Cedar Rapids who was actually murdered, and he was on the New York Times list of people killed by Corona. Yep, you've you got to be shitting me. Oh yep. no, it's yeah. oh my god. Yep, because that that was um, our first episode. We talked. I don't even think no is the one that we didn't even put out. We were talking about the coronavirus, and then all the riots started happening, so we had to re-record before we put out an mm-hmm. episode. But yeah, that was one of one of the things. There was a big list in New York Times, and somebody had pulled. They they started pulling out all these different names and saying, "Oh, they did this and that in their life." Well, one of them, yeah, happens to yeah. be this guy that they found in the woods the, murdered. Yeah, and the actual news article was huh. that he was found murdered. But they're not going to have a funeral because of the coronavirus. Oh, so they just Googled coronavirus deaths, and that popped up, and they put his they name put in on that time. list. So it, oh it's... It, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that, that's called doing your diligence as a journalist right there. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, so we've talked about uh, this whole new normal thing and um, all these things they're putting in place. <clears throat> And I, I've given an analogy a couple months ago. Uh, it was, uh, you're too young to remember this. I'm too young to remember this. Bill's the only one who remembers this. But when Coke changed to the the new Coke, they changed their formula to new, new Coke. And then everybody hated it because it tasted like shit. And so they changed back to Coca-Cola Classic. 
and everybody was happy. But what people didn't realize is in that transition back, they took out real sugar and put in corn syrup, but everybody was just happy to get the flavor back. They So it's speculated that they just made this really shitty Coke so you didn't notice. Because if you had just switched from sugar Coke to corn syrup Coke, everyone would have noticed. But instead they give a shit product, bring it back to... Um, uh, Coca-Cola Classic, but but change it up a little bit. This new normal thing. Um, I I've kind of uh, paralleled that with what they're doing here. Like, how do you um take away some freedoms? How do you take away a little bit of liberties from a population? Well, you fucking take them all away, and then you give them back, but you don't give them back exactly how they were. Then and that brings us to this new normal scenario that that everyone's alluding to that we're going that. Nobody plans on it ever going away anytime soon. And it's just like, how much of this was so they, because they wanted to take certain liberty, yeah, take our sugar away and give us shit corn syrup. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, they're they're doing certain things that despite having the facade of it being for your own benefit, it's just, it's intended to elicit a reaction it's like in california uh gavin newsom said that yeah you can go ahead and start going back to church again but you're not allowed to sing it's <laughs> like okay why because he said oh it's gonna spread germs and stuff but it's like okay you're wearing masks you're social distancing yeah it may in some astronomical sense increase the risk but you're not doing that i don't genuinely believe it's being done in the sake of for the sake of public safety it's really just to keep kind of poking it in the situation. And I mean, I think yeah. it was the Atlantic. They put out an article saying that, um, you know, you, ha- how to have safe sex during coronavirus. And it's like, oh, now you're telling people how to fuck. Yes. Like that, now you're just doing it because you want to. And I mean, yeah. I think the, the one thing where people are like, oh, there's another civil war coming. Like I, I, I looked at the number of gun sales that went up in oh, the yeah. last four months. Gun sales nationally went up 400 uh, percent. I, I can tell you here. Um, Virginia's despite all our stupid gun control laws that have, and you know, they're, they keep trying to put out, we're still a pretty good state overall, but like, I can't find, you know, um, uh, I, I can't find five, five, six, um, you know, two, six, three ammo. I can't find, uh, you know, st- stuff. What was, what's the ammo for, uh, for AK, like seven, five, six, uh, or something. seven, six, two. Yeah, 762. I can't find 762 ammo anywhere. I can't find anything. Like I could find a bunch of 22 ammo and right, shotgun right. shells, but like, you know, every morning, like I, I went to Cabela's day, go find uh, you know, some five five six ammo and some um stuff for my for my new AK because I want to have a Wolverine's moment from Red Dawn. Um <laughs> like I, I asked the guy, I'm like, what 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 the hell is happening? And he's like, Well, we didn't put limits on the boxes you could buy on like other places. So people pack up here at nine AM and they buy everything. Wow. I'm like, Well, well shit. Like yeah. I I'm pretty good, but it's like I want to be more than good. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's interesting yeah. you you bring up gun sales because uh, I actually went out and bought an AR with my government stimulus check, with my COVID stimulus check. So I kind of want I, I know I want to get engraved <laughs> on it and like uh, coronavirus bought this gun or something like that, or just name it Corona. Just and um, it's the same way here because when I bought that, I couldn't find five five six or two two three ammo anywhere. And I happen to call. We have a an indoor shooting range here, and I called them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we got it." And so I went in, and they have shelves full of it. So I don't know who their inside source is, the, but the, the the price is hiked though, isn't it? Like yeah. it's more expensive there. I I get 
the cheapest shit right now because everything's so expensive. It's probably eight bucks for twenty rounds for five five six. So oh, oh yeah, that's... it's that that's a little bit more expensive. Only yeah. because they have it. it's supply and demand. And yeah. they, I mean, kind of going on a tangent, it's like you know some like I like when when I when I was training with weapons. What what do I what do I train with the M four? Mm-hmm. So you know I'm the the M four model is what you know everyone who knows anything about guns knows that's the best rifle out there right so when i told people I'm, i was getting an ak they're like why that's shit and i'm like one because it's reliable two because it's easy to go ahead and fix and clean up three if, if a child soldier in cambodia can be lethal with that thing, <laughs> I'm okay with it. and four you can find um you know ak ammo everywhere right yeah it's cheap and it's everywhere yeah and I mean, you know, you can find Tula ammo. It's it's everywhere. So it's like if I ever need to just have one weapon with me, I'm I'm clear of that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that after I I bought my AR, it's like everybody buys an AR, so you're not gonna find much ammo. It's all going to be sold off the shelves. But I like my AR because, like you, I trained with an M16, M4. So it's just like, eh, I know, I I know. That I'm comfortable shooting this thing, so that's what, what it's, I bought it it's for. It's totally the superior weapon. It's oh. totally. Oh yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not going to become an AK person. <laughs> I know that you know that I, I I find AK people unbearable, but I understand <laughs> why I'd like to have one. Well, yeah, so, you and somebody with the like, BMW. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can dig a hole in the dirt. You can bury it. You can pour water uh, on the dirt, and then you can dig it back up, and it's going to still put rounds downrange. So yeah, yeah I mean that I, thing I is made of, when you look at. When you look at uh, you know other other AKs elsewhere, they're all coming from like Siberia and stuff. Like, listen, this thing's made of like freaking dead trees, pop metal, fingernails, <laughs> spoons. But it's like you know, if it's good for a child soldier, yeah. Like, I think I'm, I think I could get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, definitely go out and build your arsenal during this on upcoming uh, Corona Civil War that that's about to happen because. <laughs> Because Remzo said so. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm glad there's a takeaway. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think it's funny because my wife's a gun supporter, and she was fine with me with me buying one. But um, and I've got don't nobody tell anybody that I told you this, but I got five uh, magazines that um ended up coming back from me when uh when I um got out of uh the military. So. If I got something out of it, it was at least five thirty round magazines. So, um, so I like. What, to... what do they always? Say? What What do they always say about the supply sergeants? How do you always balance the uh, balance the records? The secret ingredient is crime. <laughs> exactly. So um, I I try to keep all five of these full because why have five if you're not going to keep them full? And yeah. so. Every now and then, I I don't do a lot of shooting. I I'd like to do more, but um after this last time I went, I'm like, well I'm gonna have to go buy more ammo now, and she's like, well, well why don't you just buy it when you go to shoot? She's like, they sell it right there at the range. I'm like, that's not the reason. I don't have the gun to go to a range and shoot it. I have it in case I need it, and if I need it. I'm going to need that ammo that comes with it. I'm not going to be able to run out to the store and buy that ammo real quick. So that's why I like to keep five five magazines fully fully stocked. She's like, when would you ever need that many rounds? You, you just don't know. You don't know. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know. I, 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 
would like to have more than that if if just it was sh- show her show her red dawn and be like <laughs> yeah. this is why this is why i keep my my magazines loaded <laughs> i have i have had so many dreams where i'm i'm I, who who is it the guy who's on the cliff after they blow up the tank and they're like wolverine oh I think yeah that was Charlie Shane. <laughs> yeah i think so too but but yeah it's like i've had so many thoughts where it's like what if what if yeah, yeah. No, when I was I I was in high or uh, middle school, I'd sit out there looking out the windows and be like, okay, if I saw Russians parachuting onto the football field, what would I do? <laughs> exactly. So uh, I think we're doing okay on time, but I, I think we're probably going to need to wrap it up here pretty quick because um, we do kind of push our time over a lot, and I, I definitely want to get you back on here before too long because I I know you. We just talking on the break. Uh, you have a lot of stories and a lot of stuff that really intrigues me. So maybe Anytime. maybe digging in because today I wanted people to just kind of get to know who you were if they hadn't heard you before, and then get kind of your take on what's going on. But but I would love to get into some of this other stuff, you know, these other stories that you'd like to talk to. Um, we do have this segment uh, called the Party Line Patriots. I, I don't know how much of our show you've listened to, but the Party Line Patriots we're going to get into here real quick. We like to uh, pull up memes and Facebook posts of people that just love to po- the, uh, tote the party line and uh, these keyboard warriors that we're talking about that just like to scream back and forth. And it doesn't matter what you say to them. They'll, they'll probably throw a meme at you to refute it. And it's funny because the, if, you, if you comment on them, they usually don't have any response back. If, and if you, you're like, well... What do you mean by this? It's not even like um, saying, calling them out on it. It's just like, well, what do you mean? It's just like they have they have no response for it. Their, their beliefs are only meme deep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, the the meme didn't give an explanation for it, so I don't know if beyond this, I don't know. <laughs> it says it right there. Just read it. Just read the meme. <laughs> so um, you sent me one, and uh, Bill has one pulled up too so i'm gonna pull these up real quick and share them because um um they're really funny and i'll let you know uh, get get your take on some of these too so you'll you'll be part of this segment so i'm gonna share the screen hang on let me see if i can figure out which screen it is here we go all right can you see this <laughs> I, this yeah this one's funny. This is the one you had, right? Yeah, Bill? yeah, this is the one I showed him. So if you can't... <laughs> and that's why they lost the one. Yes. <laughs> so let me explain this. Let me, let, let's pause for a second to explain this for people, for people that are listening instead of looking. So, so this one is, a, it's, it says, you and you Antifa try looting my house and see what happens. And then it shows a picture of a house, and it is just the worst trailer that you would ever see. Like It looks like half of it's missing sighting, and it's just like plastic over, and there's a, a Confederate flag on top of it. <laughs> so it's funny. It's just like, try looting my house, see what happens. And it's just like, no, 
Dude, nobody wants to loot that house. <laughs> what are we going to get out I, of there? I'm afraid of what's in that house. <laughs> right? Exactly. That, that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I think that's where coronavirus came from, was that house. <laughs> Those people have everything but coronavirus. <laughs> they, they, they freaking shot coronavirus. <laughs> Their virus eats corona for breakfast. <laughs> All right, so let me see if I can find that. Here's the other one. This is the one you sent me. Uh, this is a statue of Rocky Balboa. And it says, how long before the statue of Rocky Balboa gets pulled down? He beat up three black men and a communist. <laughs> what are your takes on that one, Remzo? I, I, I did hear a story months ago because they they were complaining about people potentially going and, you know, taking this opportunity to attack the Rocky statue. But apparently somebody was going to go spray paint it and some random Philadelphia guy. I picture him with a Philly cheesesteak in one hand went over and just clocked the guy knocking him out. And he walked away. Don't fuck with Philly. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. We don't have too many today, but those ones were funny and I wanted to pull them up and, and get your take on them. I had seen a similar meme. It was, um, they tried to tear down the statue of Rocky, but the statue fought back. <laughs> I got to say, the, the one thing I have really loved during this whole Corona period is uh, is, is the Babylon Bee. Mm. Um, oh, I yes. I, I remember hearing about them when I was at Liberty University, and that's when they were really just the the, the onion for Christianity and for yep. being really in the whole, you know, Baptist conference thing. And now to see how, see how they've evolved into really not only replacing the onion, but really being the only genuinely funny site online mm-hmm. it is beautiful it's funny because you uh, you kind of got to read the headlines of the babylon b today and you gotta really question you gotta really look to see if it's babylon b because it could in 2020 it could be real this satire i, I have site. had an incident where i read the headline and the headline own only and i get really mad about something mm-hmm. then i see who it is and i'm like oh shit I've like, had <laughs> I've had keyboard warriors post articles of the Babylon Bee not realizing it's a s- satire oh, yeah. site. I've seen that. Using it as, well, look at this article. I can't believe this is happening. It's just like, dude, it's satire. <laughs> it it says on their site it's satire. And they're like, I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it during the very early days. They used to make fun of uh, Liberty University a lot. And I went to Liberty between 2015 and 20, uh, 2017 for, for undergrad. And we had a lot of the uh, Republicans running for president come by at the time. And Jerry Falwell, as everyone kind of knows, he, he was a big early Trump guy. But there was this one Babylon B article where they said um, the golden statue of Moloch is going to give a speech at Liberty (laughs) University talking about the importance of uh, voting along Republican lines and why uh, why we need to go ahead and push for. uh, I I don't even remember, but I just remember that one bit. It's like he's got (laughs) he's going to teach about the importance of voting straight line Republican. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this interview. Like I said, we're going to wrap this up. Like I said, uh, go check out Remzo. Um, you can check out his old podcast, Remzo Republic, or his new one, On the Run. Find him anywhere podcasts are, I'm assuming. Um, 
They know how Al Gore's magic internet works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, they, they can find me really anywhere online, but you know, if they want to connect me on social media, I'm a, uh, I'm Hey Remso on all platforms. So I'm H E Y R E M S O Hey Remso everywhere. Social media wise. And, uh, I, I almost forgot. Um, we're actually going to do a, a promotion. Uh, you don't know about this, but, um, we're going to give out one of your books for free. We're going to, we are going to compensate you. We're going to pay you. We're, I'm not going to expect oh, you to wow. give somebody out a book. Um, just comment. Thank you. In the in the in the comments on YouTube or on Facebook or any of our our social media posts, just just comment, "Hey Remzo," and um, we're going to put your name in in a hat, and we're going to draw, and we're going to give out your choice of one of these two books. There's the uh, list. Tell us the names of your books again, because I don't want to butcher them. Like I said, I forgot to write them down. I no, I, I really appreciate it. I didn't see us coming. So thank thank you both a lot. I, I really do appreciate it. My first book is uh Stay Away from the Libertarians. It's the comedic retelling of the history of the modern libertarian movement. Uh Stay Away from the Libertarians. And then my newest book is my uh historical fiction novel, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. So yeah, check that out. Um leave that comment. We're we're gonna hook you up with one of his books. And um if you if you like it, definitely uh Share it around and get other people talking about Remzo and, and his stuff. Go find all these works, all this stuff that he's talked about that he's done, and um, definitely support him. He's definitely a supporter of free thought, which we we promote all over the place here, mm-hmm. uh, free speech and um, liberty and all that stuff. So um, if you want to hear somebody else talking about stuff like what we get into, but from maybe a different angle, go check out Remzo. Uh, if you want to get into his... Uh, like more current events and politics, check out his old podcast. Otherwise, if you want to get away from the bullshit, like we said, check out his new stuff because Remzo is tired of the bullshit. So, uh, Remzo, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, you got anything else, Bill? Nothing. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, definitely good to have you on. I've been meaning to get you on for a few weeks, but like you said, you're on this trip. So, I uh, decided to jump on that once I found out you're back. So, thanks for coming on. We appreciate having you. And we definitely want to get you back on again. Appreciate you both, guys. I've had an absolute blast. Yep. All right. So definitely check us out next week. Keep talking. Keep spreading the word around. And um, hit up our Facebook page and our our Twitter page and all that stuff that we say every week. Didn't get time to plug it, but you know where to find us by now. So um, we'll talk to you next time, Remzo. And um, maybe we'll talk a little bit after this and get a little bit of bonus content if we could. So if you got any time. So all right. We'll talk to you later, Remzo.